Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Streaming live on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel, here's Nick and Matt. What's up, Nick? Episode 38. I was thinking today, listening to other podcasts, you know, there's some podcasts in the teens. Mm -hmm. There's some podcasts, shout out to Smashbox, they're in like 300s. Yeah, that's um, wild. We're at we're at 38, and I was like, man, if we do this another year, or so like we'll we'll eventually get to that 50 mark, maybe this mm -hmm. year. Actually, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, how's it going, yeah. Nick? We just had uh, Easter Sunday. Did you have a good time? I know you were away from family. I did. I actually, yeah. It's. I mean, it's been weird, and at the same time, with everything going on, families aren't really like all huddled together like they used to be. Like my family, we all used to go to my aunt's house, and we would have food there. So there'd be a ton of us. But over the last few holidays, obviously. It's just been pretty much immediate family. So to be in Virginia this Easter, it wasn't the biggest change of scenery, except, you know, I, obviously I talked to my parents, talked to my sister for a little bit. And then, um, I, you know, I went out with my girlfriend. We went to her family, saw some people, and then we went out disc golfing. So I couldn't have planned it better. <laughs> Nick, I, uh, I've been watching from afar, and I know that sounds weird, but man, this is a first for the Nick and Matt show. We were both featured in a Simon Lazat vlog in the same week, man, in but, two different but, states, in two different states. But I will say you getting the ACE or ACE and a half. If you haven't seen that video, everybody, he's, yeah, oh, he yeah. got robbed, but he got an ACE for sure. And, uh, yeah. my video with Simon, I was trying to just get CTP stuff. I mean, it's pretty cool, but yeah, it was cool. It was like the reality thing that you and I did with that field work stuff. No, it was a super fun video to watch. I think we, I think I'd watched it actually right before Simon got there. And so I already had an idea that you were in that video. And then, um, yeah, he came down to Virginia for the weekend to do some filming, mostly with Paul. And then um, they had a bunch of ideas. And one of the ideas was, hey, let's go play a morning round at this short course and just go try to get some aces. And that's exactly what we did. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> Simon shares the love. He's just like, Hey, who wants to come yeah, on my channel? Exactly. <laughs> Here's my phone number. Here's my, no, I'm kidding. He doesn't give out all that stuff, but, yeah. but, uh, so that's cool. He was down there. I just saw on a video, I actually wasn't planning to talk about Simon at all. He was doing his Instagram story. Looks like he's, uh, warming up and strengthening his arm in the facility where he's getting his rehab. So. Yeah, I did see that. That was pretty cool to see just some practice throws that he was doing and probably all around the physical therapist that he's been around. So that's pretty cool to see him throwing, especially forehands. Yeah, he's doing those really soft. He, it was funny. Yeah. I went on camera with that vlog. You heard me in the background. I'm like, I do not yeah. recommend this throw. That's because, exactly. uh, you know what? These YouTube haters have gotten to me a little bit. I said, Simon's going to hurt his arm mm -hmm. on this vlog. And then people are going to be like, and Matt didn't stop him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so, okay. Anyway, so tonight's show, the plan is, and I say the plan, when you're doing something live, this is just how it goes. The plan is to have Holly Finley, Haley King, Ricky Wysocki, and there is a possibility that we have a fourth, possibly. I mean, we tried lining it up, good communication, and it's just coming into the last home stretch here. We haven't quite... Yeah drove the the contact home to make it work but we'll see it might yeah i'll say it every week trying to schedule everything with touring disc golfers is hard especially coming down onto monday nights because a lot of times players are traveling or they've just gotten into town at the next tournament that they're going to 
they're wiped from a day of driving or a day of practice. So, you know, it is what it is. But for the most part, we have a killer show going on tonight. For the most for the part. Confirmations that we, exactly. <laughs> for the confirmations that we do have. But there's potential four guests. But right now we're looking at three of them. Yeah. And um, yeah, as I mentioned, Holly, Haley or Ricky. Uh, but I will disclose the, the tempted guest here. The tempted guest is Maddie. Oh, he's very relevant. Just one, obviously, the lone star. Uh, uh, what do we say? Spoiler. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, spoiler he just won the lone star. Um uh, championship classic, whatever they call it there. So, and then obviously his high performance at the national tour event. Uh, we'll see. I just realized I have you up on screen the whole time talking in the background. That's cool. Sorry. <clears throat> so we'll see if he makes it on. Um, yeah. So let's just jump right into the first topic here. Nick, I didn't prep you on any of these topics, but I thought they'd be good. Hey, I like I like kind of the surprise and whatever I'm saying right now is usually the first thing that pops into my mind. <laughs> good, so it's probably good. the most real answer that you can get. Good, good. Here we go. I'm interested in the chat. I'm interested in people following up on this. And I'm actually going to throw this out to my dad as far as where this came from. So he listens to the show. We had Easter dinner yesterday. He asked my opinion on this and I thought, well, that's a, that's a fun question. Here we go. At what point do we, meaning disc golf, disc golfers, disc golf fans, at what point do we officially give Ricky Wysocki the nod as favored to win at any given event? So let me just follow it up by saying this. It's been Paul for so long. Mm -hmm. Is it still Paul or not? Like, and I'm not talking, is he washed up or not? I'm not talking anything beyond next event is he favored to win over ricky what do you think at the moment and you know hopefully paul and his family are not watching right now and listening <laughs> at the house but uh no at the moment i would put uh i would give the nod to ricky and reason being just he's been on fire lately you can obviously tell with his putting his putting stroke looks really clean right now backhands forehands are all there at the moment he doesn't really seem like he necessarily has a weakness at the moment and there are still different things that I would say Paul is going through in the sense of like, you don't see him. He's not typical Paul form at the moment. And I think that's not something that I, it's going to be something that comes back very soon, I would think. Uh, but right now I would give the nod to Ricky as a favorite to win. Honestly, most, most events right now. Yeah. Um, I think it's just a, statistically if you will his average as we said last week rate rating average and i want to be very clear one more time on when i say rating average i'm not talking about a player rating as we all know player ratings or whatever mm -hmm. but as a relation to how somebody's performing in any given round a rating average does make a difference because if someone says they shot 16 down at a tournament I have zero idea if they're playing the pitch and putt course <laughs> and they should have shot 18 down yeah. or if that's really yeah. good. So that's what ratings do. So it tells me, okay, so I'm off of that. Yeah. He's been averaging 1,071. Paul has been averaging about 20 points less than that. Um, so just the performance has been lower. Yeah, and it, and it kind of shows too. I mean, if you say Ricky's averaging 1070 right now and Paul's averaging 1050, well, from that you think, okay, about 10 points a stroke. And so the last tournament, I'm pretty sure at Texas State, where they both were at, you know, through a three-round event, if Ricky's averaging two strokes better around, he ended up winning by six strokes over Paul, which I'm pretty sure is what happened. 
And so I guess in that sense, that's where ratings, you know, do make sense. But there are so many different, I think, flaws in the rating system when it comes to all tournaments and everything. But that's a whole different topic. But yes, you can tell average wise, the players doing well right now are averaging very well. Ricky, obviously, 1070 rated golf throughout the last few tournaments. That's pretty incredible in and of itself. Yeah. And so, I mean, just to take this conversation just a little bit further is at what point in the future, it sounds kind of funny to say, but at what point in the future does the history of the sport actually change to where it, it was, it's been again, it's been again, Paul, for so long, mm-hmm. but there is a turning point literally for every athlete. Uh, Michael Jordan, um, Tiger Woods, uh, pick, pick, pick your athlete. There is, there is a point in history where it changes and yeah. is it crazy? And it could be a simple yes, Nick, but I don't know. You can elaborate. Is it crazy to say we might be observing it right now and it's always going to be Ricky over Paul from here on out. And then eventually Ricky would have his time transition mm-hmm. too. Is this the time? Mm-hmm. Am I crazy? I mean, I'm not going to say you're crazy, obviously, but um, I don't think that time is right now. Obviously, every player starting out the year in a different form like you saw Eagle dominate Vegas and then he hasn't really been up on the leaderboard since. So I think that's the cool thing about disc golf. It's a solo sport. You're playing against pretty much the course and you don't have any teammates helping you out. Like a lot of these other sports, you look at these players like Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Larry Bird, all these different players and they have teammates helping them out. So their success is shown also from teammates. And obviously the greatest of all time, you can't argue Michael Jordan with that. You have the LeBron James, the Tom Brady's, but in disc golf and in regular golf, you're, you're by yourself. And so I think, you know, Jordan Spieth just won a tournament in Texas recently in golf Mm -hmm. and he hadn't won since 2017. And apparently he dominated the final round shooting like 12 down or the second round, something like that, which is insane. And so you think, okay, it's been a three, four year hiatus, like you know, Paul might not win a tournament this year. Ricky might not win another tournament this year. And then next year they could come out and win the first three. So I don't think we're observing a time to where the transition is happening between these great players. I don't think the generation is changing yet. Um, and I think that's the cool thing about disc golf is I think it takes a really long time barring any in, like major injuries. I think players are able to play the sport for a long time. I mean, just look at Johnny McRae, Barry Schultz, um, Jay Yeti Redding just averaged over a thousand rated golf at the Lone Star Classic. So you have players like that to where they're they've been in the game for so long and they're able to stay in the game for so long. So no, personally, I don't think that we're seeing the generational transition. Definitely not a generational transition. I just mean, is the trend of Ricky being the favorite yeah. to win happened or is it not? That that's up for debate. I don't think yeah, I think I think there's such good players, and you could say this about Eagle, Ricky, and Paul. And I think any given week, I could kind of look at a course and say, yeah, I think Paul's going to win that tournament. Yeah, I think Ricky's going to win that. Or I think, yeah, Eagle's going to win that. So I don't think we're at that point yet to where I would say Ricky every single time. But at the same time, last few tournaments, he's obviously he's played incredible. Yeah, so and follow up to that. Um if you were to put your life on the line <laughs> and the only way it was going to be saved was by Ricky or Paul winning. And this is a, you know, a hypothetical, obviously, uh, who do, who do you pick? It always was for me, Paul Macbeth, but 
going into next week or the week after it, is it? I would be much more scared making a choice at this point. <laughs> like this is like I can't bank yeah. on it. But but let me let me go on record and I don't have to do this. The chat, you know, getting a little carried away saying I'm a Ricky fanboy. I'm going to be very clear on record. Paul Macbeth is my favorite player. And I won't say always. Ricky was at a point. But the more I got to know Paul, the more he became a favorite, just like anybody. You get to know somebody. So to me, this argument is just out of the sake of discussion for the sport. Um, I think it can be debated now. That's that's the main takeaway. It, it, I think it could have been debated always, but I think most people would have leaned towards, no, Paul, Paul has the favor. He always does. So yeah. it's a more I, of a debate I think now. For episode, let's say episode 58, 20 weeks from now, I'll answer that question. <laughs> I, there's for some reason Jonesboro is a significant um, mark on my calendar for a lot of things, and we'll talk about that. But let's just roll into this next topic. We have about five minutes to do this, Nick. Second topic, which is which notable player, which notable player will not take home a win this year, or we we could say the rest of the year. Okay, so some players already have, but just from here on out. Which notable player will not take home a win or a win the rest of the year? Again, saying that some of these have. So let me just read off some of these names. Paul McBeth, he's had two podium finishes, no wins. And I'm talking elite series or national tour, okay? Um, Chris Dickerson, no win, one podium finish. Calvin Heimberg, two podium finishes. Kevin Jones, no podium finishes. James Conrad, no podium finishes. Um, Eagle McMahon, one win. Uh, besides that, nothing. no other podium finishes. Nico LaCastro, one win. Besides that, no podium finishes. Nate Sexton, obviously. I don't say obviously. He was at LVC. No podium mm -hmm. finishes. Simon Lazat, obviously injured. No podium finishes. Ricky Wysocki, two wins. I don't want to say that's it, but no podium finishes outside of that. So two wins or nothing. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So considering those players, just pick... Pick what you think would be the hottest take here to say that they're not going to get a win the rest of the season um, and or podium finish. I think if you were to say hot take, I don't think Kevin Jones is going to win an NT or DGPT this year. How about a, how about um, a podium finish? You think he'll get one of those? Podium finish, maybe. I could see it happening at D-Glow. If it happens, obviously he won the event in uh, 2020. So, oh no, I'm sorry. When did he win it? No, he didn't win that one. I'm sorry. He won GMC. He didn't win. Um, he lost at a uh, D glow Eagle won it last year. Um, I could see Kevin getting a podium finish here and there. And obviously the last event fifth place at Texas state, that's obviously a push in the right direction. Um, I think James Conrad, I <laughs> don't know where I put him right now. I don't really see the full confidence that he had before and that's obviously coming from changing discs and changing his bag and everything like that give it some time but i this year maybe a podium finish but i don't see him getting a dgpt win and then i guess my last one in that category i think out of all these players i don't think nico will win another dgpt or an nt how about podium finishes for any of any of those players as well i i think I think that uh, I think all of them are very capable. <laughs> yeah. Of hot take finishes, though. Obviously hot yeah. take. I don't think if I had to put one player, I don't think James will get a podium finish this year. All right. That's my hot I'm going to go down the list real quick. 
and I'm just going to say like yes or no if they're going to get a win. Paul Macbeth, he gets a win. Yep. Chris Dickerson, no. These are hot takes. Calvin yep. Heimberg, no. Kevin Jones, no. James Conrad, no. Eagle McMahon, yes. Ricky Wysocki, yes. And then I'll just say to Nico LaCastro, no. Nate Sexton, no. Simon Lazat, no. These are all to wins. Those are all for wins. Yeah, I'll say Cal- I'll say Calvin, yes. I think he'll okay. get a win. All right, we'll have to come back to this. For, yeah, for FPO, we'll do the same thing. Just kind of briefly go down. Yeah, go ahead. Paige Pierce. Paige Pierce, yes, we'll get a win. Wait, wait, wait. Cat. Hold on. Just just put out. She yep. She's had four events. She's had one win. One win, four events, but I think she'll obviously, she'll get another win. Obviously. Uh, Paige, obviously, huh? Yeah. And you can quote me on it. <laughs> Paige Pierce will get a win. Katrina Allen, I don't think we'll get a win, but she'll finish in the podium multiple times. Haley King will get another win. Kona, maybe. Podium finishes, definitely. Uh, Sarah Hokum, no. Jessica Weiss, no. Owen Scoggins, the only one that I can think maybe is Idlewild if she's going to it, just seeing how wooded it is. And then uh, Missy Gannon, no, and Rebecca, no. But podium finishes, obviously, are all on the table because every single one of these players, besides for Kona, has a podium finish, but Kona also has a win. So, and she has the all-star win. (laughs) The chat room's calling me crazy. They can't believe I called Calvin with no win. Now, listen. It might happen. I'm not saying it can't, but I'm I'm rolling the dice. I'm gambling. Um, there's people saying he'll have multiple wins, all this stuff. That's great. Um, to to the FPO that you just said, who do I think will have wins this year? I'm just gonna pick out of that list you said. Paige mm-hmm. Pierce will have a win. Katrina Allen will have a win. Haley King will have a win. Is anybody else winning from here on out? Man, hot take. No, I don't think Hot anyone's take. winning here on out. Like oh, right man. now, in F- right now in the FPO division, I can't pick someone to say, "Hey, yeah, they're going to win that tournament." Paige I Pierce, Katrina, and Haley—those are the only ones we're saying that are going to have wins from here on out. Exactly. <laughs> I love this show. Well, I think, I think, I think Kona potentially. I definitely, I put Kona in that category. She's obviously she's proved herself so far that she can do it. So in in the chat, and I've been trying my best not to always cater to the chat here. We love them. But someone's saying they hope that this is Calvin's year. Nick gets him to come on the show and show him this clip when Matt says he won't have any wins. Listen, I did this with Paul Macbeth, I think, in studio. I said, mm-hmm. like, Paul, like, isn't going to win something. Like, MVP, open, right? After the show, I, I had to be like, yeah, I had to be like, Paul, <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just here, you know, making my takes the best I can. Nothing personal. So, like, I'm just calling it the way I feel it. I could be wrong. That's my take for now. Um, so with that in mind, I mean, FPO, Nick, is what's the, I mean, the parody. Have we ever seen anything like this? Look at, look at that list. Okay. Look at that list of FPO players who have had podium finishes this year and the wins, right? That mm-hmm. list is 10 FPO players long and different. Yeah. Like typically I feel like we might've had three or four um, different names in this whole list of people who had podium finishes or better. We have 10 easily right now. So yeah, uh, it's, no, it's an, definitely it's the FPO division. This year is definitely shaked up in a lot of different areas. I mean, you obviously saw the domination Kona did at Waco, but then you saw the domination that Katrina did over in Vegas. You had Haley King winning her, winning her first national tour event. So with Rebecca Cox right there, 
Missy Gannon obviously was on the lead card multiple times. Owen Scoggins has been playing great all year. So I think the parity and the diversity right now in the FPO division is greater than we've ever seen it, um, especially as of late. Unreal. So some people are going to start to, in our live show, like the recording when you're watching, they're going to start to figure out when guests come in the show because our connection through Skype kind of glitches a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But that's okay. So here's here's who we're welcoming into the show. Without further ado, Haley King, uh, recent champion, NT, Texas State. Welcome to the show, Haley. Uh, can we ask, where are we Skyping you from tonight? I'm actually at home. So yeah. There you go. Actually it, at home. Like, How is it being yeah. at home? <laughs> it's good. Um, I get to see my cats, so, so. yeah. I get to see my cat. What's the name? So cats is plural. What's the name of the cats? Well, Moonlight, Spencer, and then at my dad's house, I have Mufasa. Mufasa, like Lion King? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, that's incredible. Uh, <laughs> do you have any favorites? Is one of them more cuddly than another? Or, you know, there's always that one that you're like, I love you, but you're so mean to me. They're all pretty like they like attention, but only on their time. So typical, typical cat. Yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna say that's a typical cat for you. All right, yeah. let's let's get into this, Haley. We we love talking cats, and maybe we'll come back to that topic. But recently at Texas State, and I was watching your interview, following the round, uh, eager to hear what you'd have to say. And one of the things you mentioned was that this was your first, a uh, quote unquote, real win. Can you can you explain what you meant by that in in that moment? What does that what did that mean to you? Well, so I did win the Pro Tour Championships, but like that was that wasn't a normal tournament layout. So for me, it didn't like some people were like, oh, it's the layout, you know, because she won. And I'm just like, well, this is a normal event and I just won. So now what, you know? Yeah, what what more do you have to do? So obviously you can kind of tell by your tone right now, but if you were to pick which one had more of a significant feeling towards it, is it the Pro Tour Championships or winning the first national tour? I think it would be the Pro Tour Championships for cool. me. Even though it didn't necessarily it wasn't necessarily a real event, I guess, mm -hmm. but it felt way it it was probably because of the twenty thousand, but it felt like it was almost like worlds you know yeah there was obviously way more on the line and you had the top competitors of your division and you made it straight into the semifinals, right so you yeah. had to play you obviously when it comes to playing real disc golf, you played two great rounds of disc golf and you'd be arguably the best female player in a playoff by jamming a 25 foot putt to win twenty thousand dollars so it's a very real tournament that you won and for people saying that it's got a different feeling to it i mean obviously you can tell the significance of winning the pro tour championships versus, you know, that happens only once a year. Same thing with like worlds in the USCGC, but national tours, there are multiple national tours throughout the year. So I think coming from the outside personally, I think the TGPT was obviously a huge milestone and an incredible win in and of itself. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. And I just, I'm just curious and you don't have to say who or what, but like, were these competitors that you would hear rumblings of, like it wasn't a real event or was it just a general, like what? It was just like the general okay. disc golf people, like comments and everything, which I don't really care about. So yeah. yeah. 
But that being said, this you you put a stamp on this NT and we're like, hey, this is real, everybody. That's that's kind of how I took it. Is that how you meant it? Like this is it. Yeah. 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 All right. So you mentioned um you were dealing we follow, you know, we're a talk show dedicated to disc golf and we were following your journey. And the beginning of the season, we were like, oh man, we kind of thought, you know, things might go a little different, more different here, you know, following all the hype of Haley King. Um, and I'm sure you felt similarly, um, but you had alluded to a few things. One is like the wind was crazy different in a practice round at like LVC, uh, other tournaments you mentioned, maybe your ankle was, you know, bothering you or is or annoying you. Something was up with it, or maybe even stuff that was happening off the course. Um, can we ask all of that combined? Was it the combination of mental struggles and maybe your ankle that was holding you back up until this NT win? Like what came together to help you win this NT? Um, the people or the people around me helped me win the NT. Uh, I like wasn't in the right mindset for me to play disc golf to like want to be there. And they like helped me get through it because it was my last event. I knew I was going to drop out of Lone Star. So it was my last event until Jonesboro. Mm -hmm. Um, it was mainly all of this stuff, like outside stuff. I don't, I pushed through the ankle injury because it was, something really stupid but it was more just the mental aspect for me that really got me so yeah gotcha. how do you feel about your mental game you know everyone always talks about i say everyone as of the disc golf pro tour championship everyone talks about how it seems like you're so mentally strong maybe because you don't show much emotion how do you feel about your mental game if you had to rate it maybe even this year alone I feel like my mental game is pretty strong on the disc golf course, but it's hard for me to like disassociate or whatever from real life and disc golf from the tournament and outside stuff. Uh, that's still something that I haven't, I feel like might come with experience, but I'm having like a hard time doing that. So, well, from, from, from one person who struggles with that to apparently another, I, I can relate to you. And um, what I bring to this show, sometimes I have to totally forget what I'm doing outside of the show because this isn't real life, <laughs> what I'm doing here. You yeah. know, disc golf's not real life as you're saying it. But like, anyways, we relate and we support you with that. Congratulations on that win for sure. I was going to say, when you figure out how to take all the stuff happening <laughs> off the course and just block it all out, you let me know because I, <laughs> I could totally use those tips as well. But um, so... You're 965 rated. You're one point behind Cat, and I think that's what 31 points behind Page. Are you satisfied with being the number three rated player in the world right now? Do you feel like your game is where it should be, or do you feel like there's still a lot of that you could work on to know that like you can elevate it to the next level? I feel like for right now, it is satisfying me enough to where. I'm happy with it. I'm happy where I'm at with my accomplishments, but I'm still hungry for more. So, I mean, am I happy for it? Like overall, not really, but momentarily, yes, because I know that means I'm progressing. So what do you think? So if you're 965 right now, what do you think you got to work on to get to 970 to 975? Like once, if you had to pinpoint one thing in your game that you feel like, yes, I could work on that. What do you think it is? Uh, I can't throw a backhand upshot. So, 
I need to work on that, and that's going to save me a lot. Gotcha. Wait a second. What, what do you mean? Elaborate. You can't throw a backhand and approach shot. I, I feel like anybody can do that. You can. I've seen you do that. Elaborate. I can't. I like one out of ten times I'll do it. What? I can't. Like it just doesn't work. I have a scar in my pinky, and if I hit it, which I tend to do when I throw backhand up shots. My fingers and like my hands go like really tingly for a long time. So I avoid doing that, but I don't know why I've avoided it. I should have just been working around it. Interesting. Gotcha. But but elaborate even more. Like, what does it mean to you that you can't do it? Like, I'm trying to understand. Uh, is the disc literally falling out of your hand? You just don't feel comfortable with it. What does it mean to you that you can't? Like, I have to figure out a grip that works for me because I can't do fan grip or else it hits my pinky and then it goes numb. So I just have to find a grip that works comfortable. And I actually been working with it a little bit, uh, this last, like after Texas States, I've been working on it and Mm -hmm. I've been able to figure it out, but it's, it's not pretty. (laughs) It doesn't (laughs) feel good yet. Yeah. So what, what distance are you talking about backhand approach shots? Like are you saying from a hundred to 150 feet, 100 to 200, you know, like what are you considering that awkward? Cause like I use a power grip personally for a lot of my up shots and then I'll fan grip when it's like a touchy putter shot. But majority of the time, like I love just throwing the power grip. I think that's really comfortable. So at what point are you switching from a power grip on your approach shot into your modified fan grip now? Like, anything probably under 175 maybe 200 mm-hmm. is when you're slowly switching into a different style grip to it yeah hmm. gotcha gotcha awesome so l- let me get to this you, you, <laughs> I, i'm gonna bring it up people are probably expecting me to bring something like this up but it's been interesting watching the arguably world's best art not even arguably unarguably world's best FPO player ever, whether all time that one could be argued. But Paige Pierce, 996, she's been averaging well below her rating, like significantly below. It's a whole topic on our show tonight, but I wanted to ask from someone in the FPO division, what is it like going to an event and realizing she's not performing at her, or for whatever reason, at her highest level, do, do conversations between FBO players be like, hey, like, it's nice. Some of us get a chance now. Like, I, I don't even know. Like, what's the conversation around that? Have you observed that Paige is not performing her best? And how do you feel about that? Uh, as a different person just in life, it, it is re- it's very sad to see. I want to w- see her win and do the best she can. You know, like, I want to see everybody succeed. Mm-hmm. Um. But it, it's been really weird not seeing her, like, pop off on any rounds. Uh, she still made moves, like, going from 13th to 4th or something, I think, at Waco, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, it's really sad, and I honestly don't bring it up because I don't feel the need to. I don't really want to ask or anything, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for a lot of players and competitors, their mindset, and Alexis kind of hinted at this a little bit last week on the show, was when she beat her sister at Texas State, she said, yeah, obviously, you know, it's nice to come out on top here and there, but she didn't feel like Valerie had played her best disc golf. And so I think a lot of players, when you say you want to win, 
you want to beat someone when you're playing your best and when they're playing their best. I mean, you could go back and say, you know, oh, Paul beat Ricky at this tournament or Ricky beat Paul at this tournament. But if you see the other person is in like 12th place, you don't really, that's not really like you, you obviously you beat them, but it's not like you really competed against them after the first round. And so I think for a lot of players, and this is me personally, if I beat someone, I want to beat someone on their best day, because that means at that moment I did play better than them. And that's, that's more of a better feeling than them only playing 60% due to an ankle injury or due to personal stuff going on behind disc golf that I know nothing about. So yes, we obviously, we want to see people succeed, but we also like, we want to see people play their best so that you can beat them. What's hard though. And I don't want to take away from the win that Haley just experienced because what's hard is, and I have an interviewed page on this um, and I have no inside knowledge, but I'm pretty sure she is playing her best. Like she's trying to play her best. There's no, uh, maybe she's not playing to her full potential, but like you, you beat her when she was trying and I, I don't want to take anything away from Haley. Uh, so Haley, congrats on that. And then finally, what tournaments are you really looking forward to? Like maybe some that you haven't played this ever. Like has, have you been to MVP open? I didn't look into that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. <laughs> That's not a favorite. I've, I think I've played a almost every stop on tour and i'm looking forward to ledgestone and gmc those are my favorite events i felt like i, I love gmc i was gonna pick gmc as like one of the answers she's gonna say because you played well there last year do you think it caters to your uh play playing style yeah and i think the courses are complete opposite ends of disc golf you have wooded and then you have open mm-hmm. so it's seeing disc golf in both ways which a lot of people they don't they think disc golf is more open shots like golf and then some people like me personally i think what a disc golf is actual disc golf you know so being able to see the two play next to each other and playing two rounds at each you know you get two shots at each course i think i don't know Worlds needs to be there again. <laughs> yeah. So like I, she should yeah, have been, I, Haley, you should have been on the show uh last week. We talked about like is Woods golf good for the sport? And there's people who think it's bad for the sport. I, I would love to have your opinion on it. I mean, I feel like Woods golf is awesome. Like, maybe not for fans, like as far as like to line the fairways, but like that's where disc golf is, in my opinion. I'm not saying don't get rid of the fields, but is that how you feel? Yeah, I think watching a disc do a whole flight is so much more amazing than just someone throwing it 700 feet. Yeah. <laughs> there's definitely, there's definitely skill to both. And I think that's why it's cool to have a mixture that we do have in disc golf at the moment. But as a new England native, obviously woods golf, I love playing it. I love being around it and watching the pros play woods golf in person is way more fun than watching it on post-produce. Um, but also I think that comes with course design. And I think some courses are obviously designed better to watch post-round production when it comes to Woods courses. I think GMC plays very well to both types of players, but it also it's fun to watch on camera. When I was watching Texas State, I didn't really get that same feeling as I was watching it. But at the same time, I can obviously see the impressive skill set that a lot of players we're putting out on the course that week because of how tight it did seem. And from a lot of pros that I've talked to. Yeah. So is there anything that we missed Nick that, that Haley should, you know, tell us about <laughs> Okay, Haley, um, it, how can people support you? 
Um, there's tour series discs. There's all different ways to do it. But like, what's the best way for people to support your touring efforts? I am actually getting a hundred discs sent to my house. I think on Wednesday or Thursday. So I will have those for sale on probably Friday. Um, that's the best way to help me right away. I'll Where are it. the people going to find the discs? Instagram? Yeah, I'll post on both Instagram and Facebook. Okay, cool. So shameless plugs, where do where do people find you on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all that jazz? Uh, my Instagram is KingHaley33, and then my Facebook is just Haley King. Cool. Awesome. YouTube. So everybody... Go out to your favorite Discraft retailers. You can also go on Discraft online. I think just Discraft.com. Check out the Tour Series Heat this year. You switch it up from the soccer to the heat. Actually, quick insight on that. Why why'd you switch it up? I knew the plastic we were going to get, and I knew a heat was never ran in this plastic, and it was going to be the best run of heats ever. So, I If had you had to, to describe a heat really quick for anyone who has never thrown a heat, how would you describe it? It's for beginners, it's a very straight disc. Uh, it's usable for all arm speeds, um, very versatile. Cool. From what I've heard, it's an incredible roller disc. And also, you could see if you watch the Texas State coverage, Paul Macbeth on one of the holes throws it on a high hyzer line to get a lot of push and glide. So, it's definitely a disc for all skill level. Um, so, congrats on getting that tour series disc for you. So for everyone who wants to support Haley, go on to Discraft.com or your local retailers when the Tour Series discs get restocked. Check out the new Z-Metallic Heats from the Haley King. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Haley. Uh, Hopefully we do this more often. I mean, definitely if you're performing or you're just making news headlines for whatever reason, we're going to hit you up. We'd love to have you on. Um, thanks, Thanks so much. Have a good evening. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, too. All right. Peace. Peace out, Haley. All right, Nick, uh, what stands out to you um, about about that? I feel like there was a few things, but I'm interested, obviously, in your opinion on that. She's got great composure after winning a big event, which a lot of people, I think, you know, I mean, shoot, right now, if I was to win a big event, you know, my mind would be all over the place and probably be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. But you can see how Haley... She talks about it. She just won the event, but she knows that's where she should be. And she should be at that point more often than not is how he, she feels like. So even I think the thing, the question that I asked about a rating, she says, yeah, in a way I'm satisfied with it, but overall I'm not really satisfied with it because she knows she can be better. So I think that's a good mindset going forward, going into the future. I think that is going to push her to be a better player. I mean, I'm just re- I'm just reacting like real time, obviously, to having that interview. Um, I feel like I feel like it's somewhat of a tough question to ask somebody how they feel about somebody else performing poorly. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's newsworthy, and I just really kind of wanted some insight. There's no way that you and I or all these other disc golf shows are the only ones observing that Paige is underperforming. And I was just curious mm-hmm. from a fellow competitor. Or the whole FPO division. Haley Haley couldn't speak for the whole FPO division. But I think the way she responded was telling. It's sad. And I'm I'm not trying to make it like anybody's died here. But like, Mm -hmm. you want to see people perform at their highest level. And something seems like, because Paige has demonstrated so many times, that this right now is not her highest level. Yeah. So. Yeah, I definitely think that. You know, I think 
the way I said it was you want to beat a player when they're playing their best. And for Paige not to feel like she, or if she says she's playing her best right now, obviously, or she's not playing her best, but she's trying to play her best. Um, I think as other female competitors are out there, they can look at this moment of, okay, this is time to advance. You can obviously see, we've talked about this, the parody of FPO players. It's all over the place right now. You cannot pick a single winner for every event right now. And I think the same goes for trying to pick a top four or top three in these tournaments. We've had so many new faces out on the tour this year that it's really cool to see just the whole mix up that it's been. I think we will see certain players obviously be more dominant than others, but I think there are times where take this tournament down at Lone Star Classic, Lisa Ficus won it and she won it pretty well. And she had a big lead over Paige throughout that tournament. So I think these are opportunities that other FPO players should really be taking advantage of because how often is it that the number one player in the world is obviously not playing like the number one player so, yeah, yeah, take advantage of it. <laughs> yeah, so <clears throat> we're trying at this moment to get Ricky Wysocki into our green room. And it's one of these things where sometimes technology gives you a little bit of a trouble and then I'm trying to produce a live show. Um, <laughs> we'll see. He should be in here soon. Um, cool. So yeah. let's see here. Okay, it's, start, it's starting to come together here in our green room. Um, Hi. All right. Okay, so let's do this. Let's go ahead, uh, Nick, and real quick, what have we seen out of Ricky as of late? Why are we having him on the show? Ricky, you're not quite on the show yet, and your camera is sitting in a locked orientation. Yeah, so either that way or horizontal will work, but I got to get this set up. Nick, what, why, do, why are we having Ricky on the show tonight? Like, uh, besides what, like, tell us. Why? Obviously, he won the Open at Belton, which was a Silver Series event for the DGPT. But then the week after that, Ricky wanted to go ahead and win the first national tour event of the year. So obviously, we want to have relative names on the show. We want to just hear the thoughts of winning the Silver Series event, which was the first big win of the year, and then getting the national tour event. You know, what's clicking with the putting right now? There's a bunch of different things people want to hear from Ricky. What's going on in the mindset? So I would right. say mainly that's that's the reason why we wanted him. Yeah, and I've got it to that point where that was good filler, Nick. That was good filler. <laughs> We're welcome <laughs> to the back. show. Uh, Ricky, thank you for coming back on our show. This is every other week kind of pattern now. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, doing great, man. Glad to be with you guys again. Cool. So I cool. listened to pretty much your whole well over an hour interview with Smashbox. That was that was amazing. You somehow energy. Yeah, you that was solid, no, sorry. Yeah, I was just saying that was really solid. They they asked some good questions. I think we talked about some some good topics and and a lot of different things on there. It's awesome to be a part of their show as well. So I think there's a lot of a lot of good shows right now that are that are happening and podcasts in the sport. So it's great to see that uh, everybody can have find their find their niche and uh, get the disc golf content out there. Yeah, we definitely appreciate you coming on the show because of how like obviously you've been busy. You went from our show to the you know excuse me, to the Disc Golf Guys, the Smashbox podcast, and then you go out, you win a tournament, and then you're back on this show. So for you to be able to be open with your schedule and everything like that, we appreciate it. It's been very easy having you come on the show. It's, yeah, it makes Matt's no, life but, easier. Yeah, it makes my awesome. life <laughs> Good deal. No, I'm glad. Can I ask? How many episodes you guys had? Well, this so is far? 38. So 38, this yeah. is our second season. Now, Ricky, I'll put you on the spot. Who's the Ricky Wysocki of Disc Golf Podcast? No. <laughs> <laughs> just oh, i don't know there's, there's so many out there now i mean nate's doing one now right yeah 
And then, uh, uh, what's that guy from Dynamic? Dixon does one. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Smashbox. And, so and then you guys and then Smashbox. Yeah, those are the ones that I know of. So <laughs> they, yeah. I love that you left out Grip Locked. <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm so I, honestly, I didn't even know. That's okay. No, that's our, yeah. that's yeah. our, I don't want to call them our like brother show, but like we're underneath okay. the foundation podcast network and they're one of, like, anyways, I just found that humorous. Okay. I, I like it. I haven't heard of the show, so I don't know, honestly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, so I'm not, I'm just, yeah. I'm just, See, busting. Never, I'm just busting was, because there was this, uh, Instagram poll this week on like okay. best podcast and foundation actually, or grip locked won it and so i love that you're like i've never heard of them <laughs> oh <laughs> right right well, yeah, man, that's so funny it is funny <laughs> how involved i am with the, the podcast community i'm not i'm not uh all not i can great. say to that right. all yeah. i can say to that is obviously i'm joking i'm busting the grip lock guys right now so if they're watching i'm busting them but secondly we do appreciate <laughs> right, cool. we do appreciate the fact that you do know who we are and you came on the show Thank you. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> good deal. <laughs> I'm glad I'm appreciated. And I know you guys. So it goes back and forth. goes both ways. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So yeah. first to win two in a row this year. We know you're out there. You're trying to win every single tournament. But if you had to gamble, what would be the over-under kind of from here on out? I know you can't predict the future, injuries and all that. But you're obviously you're playing at a high level. You're playing the best in the world right now. You know, how are you feeling confidence-wise going forward? doing great i mean i think that you know for for me and just just the, the winning two tournaments in a row just shows me confidence wise that my game is, is where i need it and i think i've talked about it before but it's just yeah there, there's just there's a lot of different ways to, to win a tournament and you know the best way is to take a super consistent swing and a putt and all the different aspects of playing well and you know carrying it over to week in and week out and i feel like that's something where i'm not working throughout the week to to find my game i'm just working throughout the week to stay fine-tune my game and keep it at the level it's at right now it's a lot easier to do that as opposed to you know trying to you know pick you know change your swing a little bit and change your timing trying to find your putt uh throughout the week and then play the tournament right now it's just and so i think that's a big big advantage and big difference for me from uh just years past is is just fine-tuning my game and just getting the reps in and then being confident in the tournament instead of like like I said on tour, you know, you don't have you only have three or four days before each tournament to get yeah. to get ready. So, so yeah, that's the biggest thing is just being able to to fine tune the game and show up to the tournament, and know that my game is where I want it almost every week. I think yeah. one thing that for a lot of players who really you know week in and week out watch these players play, one thing that you changed up a little bit this year was your putt though, because originally you used to have one hand on the putter and the one hand your offhand had a putter in it as well you've changed up a little bit to now you're going down with both hands coming up with one, obviously what, cause like it's a question that I'm curious about, like what is the comfort in that before you've always been an offhand, you would hold a putter in it and now you've switched that up. What was the reason for that? Yeah. So basically, you know, it's a great observation and it's something that just like any, you know, me being, you know, what the putter that I am, I still change things. I'm, there's always something to improve on to get better at. And so if I, if I change something, it's, it's almost always going to be for the better long term. So you may, you know, at first it may have, you know, a lot of times, what's the saying? You take two steps back or one step back, take two steps forward kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So like once I was developing that, the, the one, the both hands on the putter, it kind of like felt a little awkward, but I was just onto something with, with just holding the angle throughout this putt and just having my other hand on the putter just felt like it, it stabilized the angle from start to finish of the putter. And so, whereas I couldn't do that if I was holding another putter. So mm -hmm. the, the reason why I, did, I would hold, I held two putters is just because I did that in, t in practice. 
and I felt yep. comfortable on practice putting with, with a stack of putters in one hand and putter in the other. And I just rotate and, you know, pick up a new putter. So, so yeah, just basically, you know, for me, it was, it was just, I felt like my form could be better and, and I felt like I could stabilize the putter and hold it on the angle throughout, you know, the downswing and the upswing of my putt. And that's, it's been working and it's, you know, I, I'm just gonna stick, stick with it. But yeah, I just, I was onto a couple of things when I was practicing with it. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to drop the putter and just use one putter from now on. There you go. And I definitely think, you know, going hundred percent circle one X over at Texas state, it definitely shows that it is working. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, just like anything, you know, the first beginning of the season, it was a little bit shaky mm-hmm. and uh, for my standards and then, you know, started, started stabilizing and started to feel more and more comfortable, you know, heading into the belt and I putted really well. And then Texas State's obviously putting 100%. That was, you know, amazing. And so I think it's just a consistency factor. And I think that that's, that's what putting is all about. If you can find a way to be consistent. And I feel like this, my left arm stabilizing the putter all the way through the putt is something that can help me be more consistent, more, you know, hopefully try and have more 100% circle one tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. So you're averaging, and I don't know, do you know what you're averaging over your last six rounds? You probably uh, have, didn't ask a know. lot. <laughs> no i mean i haven't i haven't um i haven't uh actually i don't i don't look at the ratings all the time but i can just i look at them when i like when there's updates and like when i shoot a good round or something i'll, I'll definitely look but i can a lot of times it's funny like i'll be hanging out with my friends or something they'll be like oh what'd you shoot and i'll be like oh you know just i felt like you know like a 1070 and i'm they always joke like how i'm always within like two points <laughs> like i'm, I'm just guessing it nice. <laughs> and so it's like i almost don't even need to look anymore because it's like all right i shot it you know a 1070 or you know a 1050 like I know what it's going to be, and I'm so so good at it because I've been, you know, been guess been guessing my ratings for so long. But yeah, wow. I, I, to answer your question, I, I feel like I've probably averaged like a, I don't know, ten sixty, or something throughout the past, th- you know, two ter- uh, whatever six rounds that we played. What, what's what's Inter- the interesting? Yeah, interesting that you're. First of all, the observation that you can nail it right on just about is really cool. That's like a trademarked or whatever it is, proprietary rating system. And you just have it like yeah. in your head. You're like, that's what it yeah. is. Like, yeah, exactly. Anyway, so there's that. But the other side is that you're. it seems to me like if you're that dead on most of the time that now I'm interpreting, you said 1,060 is how you felt like you played. That means you feel like you're playing a little worse than you are because you averaged 1,071 over the last six rounds. Oh, snap. Okay, that's that's crazy. That's awesome. But that that's leads... Amazing. That leads perfectly where I was going to go with this. Like mm-hmm. your, your, your competitors are having a very hard time keeping up right now. Okay. In fact, they're not really <laughs> keeping up. Um, how much better do you feel like you can play? I mean, as, as a top level, you know, player and someone that I, I feel like I can, you know, play at a high level consistently. And that's, that's what, that's what makes, you know, makes me who I am is because I can, I can do this week in week out year after year. And so, you know, just, I, to answer your question, I, I can, I feel like it's repeatable. Like I said, with the way my game is right now, it's not like I'm throwing, you know, random shots, getting lucky. Like, obviously that's always going to be a factor, but it's like, I'm not relying on that. I, I hitch, I, I step up to a hole and I step up to a course and I, I basically just see so many birdies out there. And it's like, like just practicing this week for vintage. It's just like I step up to these shots and I just feel so confident. And then the confidence just, just transfers over into the round, into the tournament, into a long three, you know, three event. Um, tournament so I, I i feel like i'm you know i can i can average 1060 1070 throughout throughout a long season and so i'm I'm really excited to to get my rating and, and try and uh try and break records with my rating because i mm-hmm. think that that's something that you know i know there's there's flaws and stuff in the rating system but you know with me playing how i am right now 
and and my putt with with my new putt with my arm stabilizing the putter and you know having these new you know new Saki Bomb 2021 Tour Series picks coming out. Those are awesome. Those have been helping my upshot game a lot. And so yeah, there's just a lot of aspects of my game that are consistent. That's the that's the best word for it right now is consistent. That's the, mm-hmm. it's one thing to get to a high level and it's another thing to to be consistent and stay there. And that's the hardest thing. And I feel like I, I feel like it's it's definitely possible with where my game's at right now. Yeah, you definitely are consistently, obviously, playing the best because you're averaging the 1070 rated rounds. And then when you're shooting those kind of rounds, like 16 down at Belton, you go and win Texas State, like, are things just going your way? Does it feel easy out there? Obviously, you just said your confidence is through the roof right now when you're practicing. But is, is that how it is? Does it just feel easy, like things are going your way? Yeah, I think that that goes hand in hand. Yeah, it feels like. It feels like you're like the, the better shots you throw, the luckier you get is almost how it seems like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it, it makes total sense. But like, I mean, if, and that's the thing, if you're just a little bit off, you're going to get unlucky because you're going to get a, you know, a bad tree bounce here and there. But like, if you're just in general, you're just peering gaps and hitting lines. You're, you're not going to, there's no room to get <laughs> bad bounces and bad breaks. Mm-hmm. And you're not, you know, when you're not, you know, hitting the basket, you're not getting bad rollaways and three putting. Like, so there's just so many aspects that, that, that feel like, like you said, feels easy and feels like, you know, you can just breeze through courses. And, and, and so I think that that just it pays dividends, you know, come, you know, long tournament, long season. If you, the, the more gaps you're hitting, the less tree bounces you're getting. And, and so, yeah, I think that it's just a huge, it's a huge confidence boost knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm going to peer the gap and I feel like hundred percent confident, you know, leading up to the tournament and getting all my reps in and practice. And, and so there's a lot of variables that go into feeling confident, but, you know, I know what they are and I know how to, to make my, make, make myself feel confident going in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, the confidence level. I saw the chat room even say they're like he's a twelve on 10, out of ten right now. Like you, you're you're just <laughs> it's just permeating your confidence level. Um, so with that in mind, and we just asked if things come easy to you, uh, or does it feel does it feel easy? I don't say cummies. You work very hard, obviously. Yeah. But when you're in circle two, I've heard, and I'm not gonna I, actually. I don't know. I'm not gonna say who I heard this from. It's a touring player, but they said that if they hit let's say two putts from circle two. If they hit two putts from circle two, that's realistic. They're there. I wouldn't say satisfied, but that's realistic. If anything else over two in circle two, um, it's a bonus. How do you feel about circle two putting like out of 10 putts? How many do you feel like should go in for you? Uh, uh, I feel like a lot. So, so you're asking how out of how out of 10. Yeah. So someone said two. Um, I'm curious what your number would be. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think I'm, five I, I think that something like that i i practice a lot of putts from that's the biggest thing that i think separates you know me is i practice from there like even if i'm not making like that's the thing with with long putts like that is you got to realize you're not going to make all of them but if you can get a release down it's going to give you a better chance and have good height and good speed and have that chance to go in a lot more often than others then that's already an advantage right there so i'm going to 50 45 50 60 feet and I'm getting reps in with that. I'm I'm feeling my release. If my release release is off and I'm missing putts, I'm learning from that. Mm-hmm. And so even when I'm even when I'm missing, I'm learning how to make adjustments. How can I get more spin on it? How can I change the height of my putt from 60 feet so that way it's it's chain high and it's online? You know, five out of ten times, six out of ten. Obviously, I'm trying to make them all. But as far as averages, to answer your question, you know, it all translates to averages. You know, in the long run, in a long tournament. So. You know, just the fact that I practice that and get the speed, get everything dialed in, 
is a, it's such a big thing because I know everyone always jokes with me like, oh, you're always putting over my head at the practice basket and stuff. Like I'm putting from 30, you're putting from 60, you know, like, yeah. And so, so yeah, I see a lot of putts go in so I can create confidence that way if they do go in. And then when I don't, when they don't go in, I'm learning from that. So it's like, it's like a win-win either way. I'm getting the reps in or I'm seeing my putt going in. That's a confidence booster in itself. So I think that just the amount of reps I put in from that distance is another, a big reason why I, I can, you know, I can, I can separate and feel like I can make four or five instead of two, like some players. So, and that yeah. you know, adds up to a lot of strokes throughout a, a tournament, throughout a season. I think one other beneficial point to that is as you're practicing the reps from 50, 60 feet, your misses are also becoming smaller and smaller. Like you're learning the consistency of, you know, Oh, before I was airballing it out to the right, maybe now you're just missing short where you're hitting the basket and it's just falling two feet from the basket at that point. When a lot of other players who aren't practicing these reps, their misses blow by the basket going another 20, 25, 30 feet. And now that comeback putt is obviously a lot harder. Obviously there's different variables and situations out yeah. on the disc golf course, but I think because you are putting in the reps to practice those putts, you're creating a target that's this big and you're putting it into a target now that is this big. So I think that's also one benefit. 100%. Yeah. I mean, and it goes with, you know, with my style. I've, I've always been a high to low putter. So, I mean, I think I can run those putts and, and I'm never thinking about missing it. Obviously, uh, you know, realistically, I'm not going to make every putt from 60 feet. But when I do, I'm not, like you said, flying by. Whereas someone that's, you know, a straight at it putter or has a lot more speed on it is, is they're flying, you know, 25, 30 pass and they, you know, you know, you're not going to make all those. So like just percentage game, um, you know, just me putting with the, with the, the style that I do is a big advantage to not three putt either, even from that long distance. I can still feel like I'm going to make it, and then if I don't, I'm it's just a tap in, and there's yeah. I don't have to grind out a 25 foot comeback putt, you know. Absolutely. So besides for putting, what do you feel like lately? Obviously, with your success, what do you feel like has been your biggest contribution to it? I mean, I know you had just said your 2021 Tour Series picks are coming out and they're better than ever, but I mean, do you feel like your upshot with picks are what's saving you, or do you feel like your backhand off the tee pad? you know, what's your biggest contribution besides for putting? Yeah, no, I think, you know, that's another great question. Cause you know, when you're playing, you know, at a, at a high level, there's usually a, multiple facets of, of the game that that's feeling great. So I think for me, it's the backhand, just the overall consistency of it. I think that I've just toned down. I've learned a couple of things and, you know, just like anything, I'm always learning, tweak my form a tiny little bit, um, you know, with my reach back, with my head positioning, with my, you know, timing of my run up. And so, couple things like just with those things that i was saying that i feel like i'm, I'm cl are clicking and it feels like uh I'm, when i'm under pressure when i'm near the lead or i'm in the lead i feel like i can i can go back to a three or four solid things with my form that i can make sure that i'm doing right and if i'm not i can make sure to think about it when before a shot when i'm under pressure and you know high pressure you know situations when that's when the time when you know bad form and certain flaws in, in people's swings get exposed the most and so that's when I'm the most cautious of it. And so I think that's the biggest thing is feeling comfortable and confident under pressure because of the form changes that I've made. And I feel like that is what is repeatable as well is me playing under the pressure and having a couple, you know, trigger points in my head to say, hey, you know, I want my arm like this. I want my my head position like this. And, you know, just making sure that I'm sticking to the couple things to make sure that consistently every time I'm nervous or every time I'm in a high pressure spot, I know if I do that. I'm going to get the result that I want. And so that's, that's a huge bonus is just being able to do that under pressure. Cause that's mm -hmm. the hardest thing. Oh, absolutely. Man. Um, 
getting away a little bit <laughs> from disc golf. Hey, that's all, always fun. <laughs> yeah, although it permeates every, I'm assuming, just like anything, you know, you try not to bring work home, but it permeates who you yeah. are, especially as a disc golfer. It, it's like a big part of your life, all of your life. But you have a, yeah. uh, am I wrong in saying that you have a fairly large family, siblings wise? Um, how, how many do you have, brothers, sisters? Yeah, so I've got eight total, including me. So I've got six six um, sisters and one brother and then me. So that brings us to eight. So I've got a huge family. They, they, they're they starting to get into disc golf and, and stuff. I actually just spent an off week with them. I flew to South Carolina and uh, I spent spent a week with them. So that was nice to get some family time in and, and kind of just uh, touch base with them and, and check in with them. So that was cool. And uh, just kind of relax. Like you said, play so much disc golf. It's good to kind of check out a little bit. And I'm still putting. I'm still I'm still going to the course and and practicing, keeping my keeping my reps up. But it's uh it's good to have a have a little break and, and go eat some mom's home cooking food and, and banana bread and, and all that yummy stuff. You know, take a little take go. one or two cheat days on the diet and then uh, <laughs> just enjoy myself. So that was good. Okay, so let me ask then, like in time off, um, besides eating mom's home cooked meals, which we all know is awesome. <laughs> Like uh-huh. what's something that you like doing? Maybe it was, I, I, we've heard the baseball, you know, that transition, yeah. but like mm-hmm. right now, I know disc golf again, I'll say it probably takes a lot of your life, but like, what do you yeah. like doing playing an instrument, <laughs> like yeah. video games? What no, is it? I, yeah, no, I appreciate you asking that question. It really does mean a lot actually. Cause it's, it's awesome. I mean, everybody, you know, sees my disc golf, sees that, uh, me practicing playing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I try to, you know, for me, I try to get rounds in in the morning. I'll go early to the course, get my reps in eight or 9 a.m., play two rounds if I feel like I need to, and then have half second half of the day to do some of my hobbies and stuff that I like. I like fishing. I like um, – actually, right now we have a fishing pond right outside, and so me and my tour manager, we're always having contests trying to catch the biggest and the most bass and all that stuff. So nice. I love fishing. I'll take a, you know, take a paddle boat or a kayak or canoe, something, go you know kayak around the lake, just kind of you know relax and ease the mind that way i like doing that i like to hike i like to like when i was with my family i went hiking and we found like up in south carolina we're near the mountains so we found like a real cold stream so we went i took jumped into the cold river after the hike and so that was nice to just kind of spend some time talk chatting with the family and and hiking and enjoying nature and, and and that kind of stuff and then i've been investing in crypto currency a lot so that's something i've been getting into um so that's a that's a hobby of mine that, I, that i've really been enjoying Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just been putting in the research, listening to YouTube videos, listening to, you know, to crypto experts and, and just, uh, trying to invest my money with that. I think it's, I think it's a pretty good investment for, for me personally, but so yeah, that, those are a couple things that I like. I mean, and so I, you know, that's, like I said, I'll come home and, you know, listen to some crypto news, check them, check the crypto markets, maybe take a couple casts here and there and, uh, go, like I said, do some ice baths. I mean, not that that's a hobby. That's more of a healthy wellness. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but, I guess I can fall into a hobby as well. Um, Hiking, that kind of stuff, canoeing, kayaking, exploring. I mean, just all that kind of stuff as well is is all stuff that I I enjoy doing also. Totally cool. So um, just as a follow-up to that, if you couldn't do sports for a living, so disc golf (laughs) is out and baseball or any other sport, what what is Ricky Wysocki like drawn towards as like, what you're good at besides sports that's that's tough dude that you're putting me in a tough spot right now <laughs> i've been playing sports since i was since yeah elementary school i mean i've always 
yeah, I was just the typical wanting to be an athlete as a kid. That was always my vision. I just knew I was going to be something with sports. I didn't know it was going to be disc golf when I was in elementary mm-hmm. school, you know, but, but, um, I think I've always, I've always been, I guess a trade. I've always, I've always thought trades are cool. I just thought, thought it's cool helping people out, being able to like to build a house and stuff, like be like a handyman. That would be, that'd be something I'd love to learn those skills. I just haven't had the time. But I think that would be something that would be really cool, being able to, like, just build your house or help someone out, you know, just around the house with all the knick-knack stuff. And that's just something I have an aspect of life that I haven't really been able to spend time learning, like plumbing. I learned HVAC as a in, uh, in high school as just a vocational school that we had. And so I was able to do that while I was in high school just as a backup plan to disc golf. And so I kind of have a little background with that. But I think it would be cool to be learn plumbing, carpentry. All the different trades, I think, are great to know and great to be able to help out people and, and stuff. I think that I would be something something to do with that. Awesome. All right, Yeah. Nick. So, if, yeah, if, if you guys are – if I'm in town and your, and your air conditioner breaks, yeah, if, yeah, I might be your guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Hopefully it doesn't break during the MVP open. Yeah, exactly. Hold on, yeah. hold on, hold on. I got Ricky Wysocki's phone number in here somewhere. <laughs> hey, Rick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a side business on tour. We'll fly you out. We'll fly you to fix it. APAC, all my equipment. <laughs> <laughs> well, as as always, we appreciate you coming on the show. I think one last question that I have on my side of it. If you were to give one kind of one – tip of advice one line of advice to an up-and-coming pro disc golfer what would you do what would you say love that question um i thank you for allowing me to to speak and and elaborate on that but yeah i think for me the biggest piece of advice was 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 basically and i I do this a lot with my game personally like i was talking about with the putting earlier is not just your putting but in in general step outside your comfort zone if you're if you're a c-tier or b-tier pro that's only playing C and B tiers. That's great. You're getting exposure, but jump into an A tier, something that gives you gets you exposure and allows you to feel what the pressure is that that comes with playing a bigger event. And so then that way you can take that, you know, even if you don't don't like I said with the putt, if you're going to 60 feet, not making every, anything everything, you're learning from that. Same thing when you go to an A tier. Hopefully you have a great performance and you can build some confidence on it. But even if you don't, you're learning how to play under pressure. Hey, what you know, look back and say, hey, when I was under the most pressure, what did I do wrong? And, and knowing that, you know, all right, next time I can take three or four cue points in my head to where I can get better and say, all right, next time I'm in this spot, I can think of A, B, and C, and I'm going to do a better job at handling the pressure and handling the nerves. So it's almost like a win-win when you step outside of your comfort zone. Either you succeed or you learn from it. And so I think that's the most important thing. And just go into it thinking that. And so it's go into it thinking that there's, hey, there's two things that are going to happen here. I'm going to uh, either fail and learn or I'm going to succeed and, and get better. And either way, you're taking a step towards the right direction and becoming a better player. And what goes along with becoming a better player is being able to play at, at the highest stage and, be, and, that, and that's going to help you with that. So I think that that's the biggest piece of advice I can say and because uh, it, it, it shows you exactly specifically what you need to work on uh, once you're under pressure because that's where people's uh, weaknesses get exploited the most. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that piece of advice. Definitely yeah. stepping out of your comfort zone. A lot of people have always said growing, you know, playing any sort of sport, you're usually going to get better by playing better players. Mm. And I think obviously that comes from you're going to find better players at the A tiers than you are at your C tiers for the most part. You're going to find a more majority of better players at those events. I mean, look at, you know, the um, tournament that just happened, Lone Star. Someone said yeah. there was like 30,000 rated players at it and yeah. it's just a B tier. 
Obviously, yeah. there's a lot of added cash into it, but tournaments like that, stepping outside your comfort zone, yeah, and I definitely, the exposure aspect of it is huge in and of itself. So appreciate that tip. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, like you said, playing with the better players, but like all the stuff on top of that, what I said is is all, you know, you hear people say that, but you don't really see why. And so I was just trying to explain, uh, you know, the reasons why it's important to step outside your comfort zone and and, and disc golf especially. But yeah, like you said, with the, the, the Lone Star, that was crazy. That was a huge feel. It's basically yeah. like an A tier, but a B tier. <laughs> a tier exactly. field, a C tier. <laughs> Uh, on PDJ, but, but yeah, no, no pressure to your uh, siblings, but I, I've seen some videos where they've, they've played with you. Do you think that, I don't know, I feel like they would have a better opportunity to get better quicker. I'm not necessarily putting a pressure on them, but playing with you, they yeah. have a better opportunity. Um, do they feel, do you feel like, and maybe you can't speak for them. Do you feel like they have aspirations of trying to get into disc golf? Any of them? I, I know. I wish, I honestly wish I could tell you they did, but they're, unfortunately they're not as motivated and passionate, I guess, as I was as much as I would love it. They love to play. And it's the type of thing to where like when I come into town, I get them to play and practice and stuff. But then as soon as I leave, they don't play as much. So it's kind of, it's kind of, a, it's kind of frustrating for me. <laughs> um, but my sister is, is, I would say out of my whole family, my sister, she's Vani Wysocki. She's, um, she's 19 right now and she's solid. She can, she has a lot of potential. I've been, she's been playing for like five years and just kind of under the table. She doesn't really play that many tournaments and stuff, but um, she's got a lot of potential. She's a really good putter, which I met that must run in the family. Cause like, that's the best part of That's yeah. the best part of her game for sure. Like she's, she's working on her. She's dialing in her drives, but her putting is like, I would say it's like comparable to some FPOs right now. Like it's really mm. good, but, but, um, but yeah, it's she's just she just doesn't practice overall as 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 far as her whole game goes. She's um she's not ready. But I would love you know I'd love to see her getting out there and play. That'd be fun to see a, see a sibling out there. It's it's always cool to see, you know, multiple siblings on like when you see in basketball or football or you know brothers on the team or, you know that's that's really cool dynamic. So I wish that one day that would happen. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We we want to kinda... we, we want to respect your time, Rick. Uh, so we don't want to keep you past what we said. So, is there any shout outs you want to do as far as anybody who deserves it, or you think <laughs> think should get the shout out? Um, yeah, yeah. No, I just you know I just want to thank all the fans and stuff for supporting you guys and supporting me for sure. Um, thank you guys for the great questions. I mean, you guys asked some a great variety. I appreciate that. You asked some non disc golf questions. Some disc golf questions is a good balance and gave me. <laughs> gave me some uh, questions that I could elaborate on even outside of the disc golf realm. So thank you for that. Thanks for the great show. Thanks for having me. And uh, thanks for informing me that there's other disc golf podcasts out there too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was fun. And I have to say, I don't laugh more with an interview than I do with you. So I appreciate the smiles, but uh, I love, I love it, dude. Thanks for making me smile. I'm glad I can return the favor. All right, go catch, go catch a big fish. Go get a 2021 tour series pig, help support Ricky. And all his adventures out in the world. Yes. Thanks, guys. All right. Appreciate it, y'all. Ricky, all peace right. out. Go Thank catch a big fish right now. No. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, man. Bye. I will do. Thanks, guys. Uh, all right. Bye. All right, peace. See ya. All right, everybody. Uh, Ricky Wysocki. Um, Nick, I, I I can only believe that I've drove everyone crazy laughing so much into that microphone. But, like, what kind of energy does that guy bring? He definitely brings a different energy. You kind of you had the mellowed out Haley King at the beginning of the show, and she's just sitting back, she's chilling out, and then you got Ricky who's moving around. You know, he's laughing, he's having a great time. So 
it's cool. It's definitely a nice variety <laughs> in the disc golfers that we get to have on the show. All right. Real time reactions to what we just saw. And I'm laughing now. Like he, <laughs> he lays in bed, like on his interviews, he's rolling around. Like he's just, he's a free spirit if I've ever seen yeah. one. And, um, but I have to do two things. One is shout out to grip lock podcast. I totally was busting them earlier. If you do not know them, we're obviously on the Foundation Network uh, here on YouTube. You have to go listen. Um, I hope they bust us right back. They, this week, grip-locked one in an Instagram, unofficial Instagram podcast uh, bracket, you know, polling thing. And um, so there, Ricky doesn't know who you guys are. (laughs) (laughs) No, that uh, that whole polling thing was fun. For anyone who doesn't know, there's an Instagram account, Robbie underscore DC or DG, I think. And he uh, always does these different brackets. And the most recent one was favorite podcast. And we had started up. I forget who we went against in the first round. But, you know, we went through. We won. And then we got in. Anyways, we got into the final four. We were against um, (laughs) the Flight Diaries. We and definitely so, should not have beat Flight Diaries. I, I'm humble enough to say that. Like, Flight Diaries I, is awesome. I think one reason why we did, and I think one reason why a lot of people do enjoy the show a lot, is that it's a live show on Thursday, or excuse me, Monday nights, and people get to interact with the show in and of itself. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so we came down to the finals. And we're going against Griplock, who's, you know, quote unquote, our brother or sister podcast at this point with the Foundation uh, Podcast Network. And, um, they were smoking us. You could see the votes. It was like 1100 to double. 700. No, it was double. Like yeah. And so I messaged the guy and I was like, Hey man, come out with like a funny post saying they cheated. And so then I wrote <laughs> on a story and I said, fake news, you know, they use voter fraud. There's bots in the system voting for them and everything like that. And so then Robbie being a fun sport posted saying, Oh, I'm investigating these allegations or accusations and everything like that. And so you see the post, they had won like 1,200 to 600 or something like that. And then it wrote, but Nick and Macho didn't cheat, so we're giving them the win. And then apparently he said he got a bunch of messages of people being like, yo, are they actually cheating? Like, did that actually, I'll be pissed if that's the case. And so he messaged me that, and I was like, yo, dude, just tell everyone, just tell everyone the truth. And so he had wrote funny, it was a day after Bro, April Fools, but it I was had like a funny people messaging me. Like, they're yeah. like, was the voter fraud real? Bots for real? Like, people were asking me, so listen. I just want to go out there, there was, and say there was no voter fraud. We obviously are very happy and pleased to be on the Foundation Podcast yeah. Network. To even make it to the end, whether it testifies to how good or not our show is, I think it says that we have fans. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's amazing shows out there. In fact, some of the shows didn't even make it in the 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 bracket system. We 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 appreciate all those. Um, Nick Brody uh, just commented in the chat saying that. <laughs> I just, I just saw the follow-up and now I'm starting to cry. Brody said, I'm going to give Matt a, a Ricky 2022 calendar for Christmas. And then it was like, people were kind of jumping on, egging them on. And then he goes, swimsuit edition, obviously. Oh my Brody, you're making me laugh. I'm just gonna laugh the rest of the night. I gotta put it on Nick's camera so he can take us home. But um So I'll just take everything. Let's go to topic number three, Nick. Um, which is actually a little later in the show notes here. But um, can we talk a little bit about Lone Star Classic? So you had something that stood out. You sent me a note and I was like, Yeah, we're definitely talking about it. Mm -hmm. What what stood out to you when you were checking out this event? So 
it actually turned from I think Holly had tweet Holly Finley had tweeted saying, Hey, back to back biggest paydays in disc golf. She had just gotten that. And so I was like, Oh, I want to go check out I remember this tournament had a lot of added cash, but I wanted to see what the payouts were. So I went on the PDGA page, went under the tournament, and actually looked up what they were. And um, there's a tab you can check for anyone who wants to know. And uh, I was looking down 2500 bucks for first place, like 1400 bucks for second place, yada, yada, yada. All seemed pretty normal to me. And then I looked over and I saw that FPO, the winner, actually got 3500 bucks, And the second place player in FPO got like 2450 or something like that. So I had sent a picture to Matt and I was like, hey, is this... I honestly, I was like, is this correct? What, you know, is it a mix up? What's going on? I had no idea that another sponsor had come in and I'll kind of, I'll let you explain that, Matt, since you explained yeah, it Yeah, so me. Paige Pierce actually earlier in the week um, said, hey, I'm going to play Lone Star Classic. And there is, I think it was Tito's uh, homemade vodka put in a $10,000 designated sponsorship for the FPO payout. $10,000 just to the FPO division. That's significant, no matter if it's MPO or FPO, but that was specifically designated there. Um, there was a large sponsor, and I forget the sponsor's name right now, who came in with the title sponsor. Unfortunately, they didn't get the title in my head. Uh, $25,000 sponsorship for the title, $20,000 going to payouts, not just MPO, but $20,000 going to the payouts in general. Um, and... 5,000 went to video coverage. Long story short, the money that was sponsored for the FPO payout specifically really made it so that the top FPO winner got $1,000 more than the top MPO. That just for optics is weird. Um, but you know what? It's, it's fine. If someone wants to do the sponsorship there specifically for FPO and they walk away with more, that has nothing to do with oh, how did I only play this and get this much? It's somebody wanted the FPO player to get more. And that wasn't up to the tournament director's discretion as far as I understand. So Yeah, I was I was actually watching the tournament coverage today for the MPO lead card. I think I was watching kind of round two and round three. And I thought a regular ad had come about because it was Tito's Vodka. And then I looked and you know I could skip through it. So I was like, oh, this is, it's actually on the disc golf coverage. Um, didn't even know that they had specifically said, Hey, you know, 10 K payout to the FPO. I didn't even know you could do that. I, you know, I guess you learn something new in the disc golf world every day at this point. I don't think, I don't think they could be Has like, it even been done yeah, before. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe not in a public way, like FPO, like it's a big, big donation, not donation, but designated to FPO. I don't know yeah. that, but for instance, I'm just going to give you another scenario. Let's say I run an AM event and I have all the divisions and I have a junior division. Somebody could literally say, hey, I want to sponsor the junior division and every junior gets an extra disc in their player pack. That's, a, for example, like how that works. So same thing here for FPO. Someone said gotcha. like, hey, I want to sponsor just the FPO division. Here's 10,000 added cash. Now, to pay out though, they do have to follow a PDGA guideline, but the added cash mm -hmm. being designated FPO I, I might be speaking out of turn. I I don't know every detail of the PDGA's requirements. I have TD'd, but I'm pretty sure as long as they follow the payout scale, that's fine. So that, that was just interesting news. You don't see that every yeah. day. Um, How about this? Lisa Fakus. Here's more parody of all parodies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, And I'm just going to put it there. Paige Pierce was at this event because that's the first thing you usually ask. You do that for MPO when yeah. Paul doesn't place first. 
Um, so here's Lisa Fakus, 31 points over her rating. She played, I don't want to say out of her mind, but she played way better than she normally does. Mm -hmm. 15 under par. Um, Paige Pierce, I'm just going to put it out there again. She takes fifth place averaging about 55 points under her rating. So again, a very lackluster performance from her. Yeah. Um, so who won MPO? Maddie Orem took it down. So Maddie's on a little bit of a hot streak right now in the sense of a lot of people probably didn't know who Matt Orem was, you know, new disc golfers, I should say. And then now looking into it, he's gone two tournaments in a row to where he had a podium finish at one of them, or excuse me, he's got a podium finish at both of them. One of them being second place and this one being first place. So second place over at Texas State, obviously playing incredible disc golf, probably average 1050, 1060 rated disc golf out there. And then going into uh, this tournament, Lone Star Classic and winning, averaging 1054 rated golf. And so, I mean, the field was stacked out there. I mean, he averaged big win. just to put it out there. He averaged just about what Paul Macbeth has been averaging this year. So, I mean, he's playing at a very high level. I, I'm, yeah. I don't want to say, and I've said this last week. I don't think that Paul is playing at a low level. I think he's playing his average golf and there's others right now who are stepping up. Um, but again, off of that point, <laughs> interesting. Did you, did you say I, I zoned out for a second? Did you talk about Felberg and Redding? I have not. Okay, yet. so I kind of briefly mentioned Reading earlier, but yeah, I haven't really talked about them too too much. Okay, so Dave Felberg, yes, he still gets around, hits up events. He's playing MP40. Yeah, but interesting to point out. Congrats to him. He shot a thousand sixty three rated final round. That's that's a high. Yeah, pretty, that's a high round. Yeah, pretty sure he had the course record of that round as well, shooting ten sixty three. So that's pretty awesome. And then someone who I actually met at Waco, pretty awesome moment. Hall of Famer, Jay Redding. His nickname is Yeti. Uh, if you ever have the pleasure of being at a tournament with him where they call out everyone's names, when they call it his, they'll say Jay Yeti Redding, and everyone makes a cool <laughs> Yeti sound, Chewbacca sound, you know, whatever. Nick, so give, Nick, it's pretty give awesome. it a try. Give it your best try. <laughs> not, a, not on this mic. <laughs> not on this mic. <laughs> What's happening to Nick? He needs a defibrillator. No, I don't want to get roasted in the comments. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, he took down MPO 50 or MPO 50. M yeah. Um, thousand rated golf. Congrats to him. Um, so that was a B tier. Um, Nick, what did the PDGA just announce before our show went live in regards to an NT? What did they announce? Did you see that? You sent it over to me. I did, but I want to say something really quick. Okay. Also, you might have mentioned this as well. I went to get some water really quick, but it was the USTGC awesome. qualifier. Did no, I didn't Innova actually post? mention that. Oh, okay. So this last Lone Star Classic was a uh, it was a USTGC qualifier, and I'm curious to know. I'm assuming Mason Ford got his invite. Obviously, mm -hmm. Manny O got his invite. Connor O'Reilly. I had the pleasure of playing with him in Vegas. Very cool dude. Sponsored by Latitude. Uh, I think Texas native, actually, I think he was, you know, Austin, Texas native. And then there was someone named like GT or JT came up and did pretty well. I'm assuming he got his invite. Um, and then I would assume Lisa Ficus and Sarah Hokum got their invites for the U.S. Women's um, Throw Pink Disc Golf Championships as well. Yeah. Maybe two of those. I forgot to put that in the show notes, but Sarah yeah. Hokum. Played, played really well. Yeah, she she actually, actually went down. She went down to the last hole uh, tied. And oh, uh, Lisa Fakus 
was able to get the birdie. And wow. uh, I believe Sarah got the par. That's the one stroke difference there. So again, gotcha. parity uh, that adds another player to our, you know, podium finishes, which again is incredible to see this year, how many, and that's why I'm saying with all these women competing at a higher level, the parity, at least changing it up, it's hard to even predict what's going to happen. That's why I did that little version of that game earlier of like, who's going to win from here on out. It, yep. it, so um yeah totally so yeah, hey anyways. what what did the pdga announce you sent it over to me earlier so a beloved event national tour event been happening for years and years and years played at some incredible courses the beaver state fling uh will actually not be happening this year due to the pandemic and regulations rules out in oregon and then also apparently storm damage went in and wreaked some havoc on the course so i think one of the big things we were talking about in Disc Golf Podcast World is wooded courses versus open courses. And I think this is one of the tough things that does happen when it comes to wooded courses is one bad storm and it's going to change up a, you know, a big tree that could be something defining on a hole. It might get knocked down, stuff like that. So storm damage obviously is huge. They must not be able to clear everything out that apparently happened. And then also with COVID regulations, I don't think it just made sense for a national tour to happen there, which is a huge bummer because it's an incredible event. I actually love watching the coverage of that event. Uh, Ricky is one, Eagle is one, Eagle plays incredible there all the time. I know Drew Gibson had a DGPT win at the Portland open. So is there, it's a bummer. I'm not prepared to talk about this and that's a horrible host, but it's actually just speculation in my head. Remember when we talked about, um, whether or not worlds would happen. This was months ago. And we said like, at what point, at what date would they have to make a decision? I think I said by the end of March, I might've said April. Um, but like, are we still even dabbling with that? Is there any murmurings or rumors out there? Have you heard anything Nick is like about worlds or is it just like nothing? There's crickets right now. I, I haven't heard anything about worlds. I mean, obviously, Hmm. I mean, travel travel restrictions are still big when it comes to the United States. I don't know the different ways that European players, if they would need to go somewhere and then come here and quarantine for two weeks. I don't know all the specifics on that, mm-hmm. but I haven't heard that it, it's getting canceled or anything like that. I think Utah really wants to push for it to happen. I know that Disc Golf Club has done a lot of work over on the courses that they're playing Worlds at. They've, I know players have already gone out and done some practice over at those courses, but... Mm-hmm. I think, you know, Beaver State Fling, I think that's a May tournament. So we're just finding out that, hey, it's not happening here in April. So Worlds is in June, I think the week of the 19th. So I guess potentially we might not know anything till early May, whether or not Worlds can actually happen. But the way disc golf tournaments are going right now, um, I personally think it will be a go, barring any new regulations and storm damage and stuff like that to those courses. But yeah, I do think worlds will be a go. I'm excited for worlds to happen. And I actually, I'm hoping to go out and play worlds this year. I have an invite. I'm on like the second tier list of people who can sign up for it. So I think in the next few days, I'll actually be able to sign up for it. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. So if you're wondering what I'm doing right now, I'm actually trying to get Holly into our green room. We are bringing in Holly Finley. Um, nice. Nick, the storm, because I saw some in the chat room here. Um, the mm-hmm. storm was actually uh, 
I want to say it was an ice storm um, where it took down a lot of trees. Like I heard it was just like crazy. Like it took, yeah. it's taken like weeks for them to get it like cleared out to the park where they could even get in to check out the course. So it's, it's yeah. just, I guess it's pretty sad and I've never been out there, but from what I've seen from footage, it's a destination course for sure. Yeah. It's funny from, uh, I mean, talk about ice storms. What was the, what was the year that we had that massive ice storm at? Do you remember? Oh, that was like 10 years ago, I think, but up so here in New England, I, it's mass. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. I, I wasn't even into disc golf then. And so I never saw any of the disc golf courses before the ice storm. So I'd, I've always been curious of like, what was coverage like at, you know, Maple Hill or pyramids or Newton Hill, any of these courses before the ice storm actually happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how yeah. many trees were significant enough that ended up falling over because of that. So it sucks. It, you know, it's definitely a bummer. Beaver safe Lang, Oregon. My brother just moved out there earlier this year or uh, end of last year, I should say. And so I was actually planning on potentially going out there for a tournament. If I could sign up for one or even just going out and being there for the tournament since my brother lives out there. Okay, Nick, but, this is a first for us. What I'm going to do is actually drop you from this call for a second. I'm going to add Holly in and then I'm going to add you back into the call. Let's see. How so <laughs> it's now the Holly and Matt show. <laughs> All right, let me see how I can manage that. Thing. Hold, hold on. <laughs> hold on for a little bit, Nick. I'll get you right back. Yep. And here she is. She made it from our green room. It took a little bit. <laughs> took a little bit. We're super excited to have you on the show tonight. You're coming off some great disc golf. Sometimes shooting like 1100 golf. I walk away with, you know, I'm going there. I'm one shot parking stuff, making all the putts. I'm shooting 10, 15 down on these wooded courses at the event in practice. And then in tournaments, I'm struggling to get to like a 930 round. And I don't quite know at what point in your career those two things match up, but I'm on year nine. And I keep thinking at some point, this uh, incredible elite level golf is going to show up during tournaments. You know, I'm going to like all the putts are going to go in. I'm going to hit all the lines. All the long ones are going to be cashed. It hasn't happened yet. So I thought, I started taking notes uh, in a personal notebook. I looked at my UDISC stats for the last several years, and I realized it's around the green where I'm failing. I'm losing. Uh -huh. um, I'm, a lot of times I'll be in circle two, and I see my competitors go woods, 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 and then we end up with the same score. And I could have just threw it at the base of the pole and got a par and maybe scored better than them. But mm -hmm. the problem is I'm so aggressive because in practice, it's so easy. Everything goes in. I make all the shots. Mm -hmm. I don't need to throw eight shots to get a good one. My first one is a good one because I see the line. I hit it. Um, and it's just so simple. So this year, I've really changed my game plan. I am not running things at 100 miles an hour anymore. I'm laying up putts that I normally would never lay up, which I hate. It's so boring. And I did <laughs> not drive halfway across the country to lay it up. <laughs> but, you know, it, the truth is in the pudding. I'm just coming out scoring better by not being so aggressive around the green. And I love being aggressive. I'm a very fast, hard putter. And I just love, like, slamming the chains and making the basket wobble and it's just so satisfying to cash those long putts. But 
if you miss the basket with my style of putt, um, you sometimes have like a 60 foot comeback and that's not fun for anybody. And I'm, no. I'm kind of I'm over that. Like I'm over the 40 to 60 foot comebacks. So I've been working on my putting style all in the winter. I'm trying to change my pace and uh, the, the style of putt and also the mentality around the green. Um, I mean, at some point, yeah, I hope I can shoot these 1050 practice rounds that come so easily um, in practice and they never show up in the tournament. Uh, but until then, I'm just going to like change it up a little bit, be a little more conservative around the green, not run everything 100 miles an hour, 100 feet and in, which is what I've been doing since I started pretty much. And, uh, you know, I go back, I look at my scores, I see, man, I could have had a two. I was at like 15 feet and somehow I got a six. It's because I went like, oh, I missed the basket, a 40 footer, a 40 footer, a 50 footer. Mm -hmm. And then finally I just give up and pitch it to the pole and drop it in because at some point you can't keep going 40, 40, 40, 40, you know, you just like, okay, I give up. I'm just going to lay it up at this point. Exactly. Um, I've changed my game plan a lot. It seems to be successful so far. And I guess, you know, I'll just play it out and see how it goes. It's kind of changing my en entire style of golf, uh, which I guess isn't a terrible thing if I'm scoring better and placing higher. Mm -hmm. I won $1,000 this weekend we, for fifth place. We, we've got get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, we're, we're going to touch on that. We're going to get to what? that. Yeah, we're excited as well. Um, so you've had 33 wins, if I've counted correctly, in your FPO career. 33 wins, okay? Um, there's okay. There are some A tiers in there. There are some B tiers, C tiers. But since you went to FPO, 33 wins. And it looks like, as far as the wins are concerned, the A tier at Music City Open last year. Would you consider that your biggest win, or do you feel like there's another one out there? Um, yeah, I guess I guess I'd say that's my biggest win. Um, you know, I did win the Silver Cup a few years ago, and I had to get past a lot of really good players for that as well. I think Madison Walker was there, um, maybe uh, Jessica Weiss perhaps Elisa Fakus. There was just a lot of really good Innova elite level players that I had to get through to capture that win. Um, Music City, uh, you know, I had Callie and Katrina on my heels, but I felt like the Silver Cup a few years ago was a little bit closer. But, you know, in my mind, they they both hold, hold a pretty high standard as far as the wins go. Yeah. I think one thing... For disc golf in general, not just the FPO, but it's slowly heading in the right direction. Obviously, the last few tournaments you talked about Texas State, you had back to back your largest winnings ever at these past two events. So you can kind of see that disc golf hasn't always been the most cost efficient thing as a touring player. And you can kind of see lately more endorsements are coming into the sport. We just had Tito's Vodka obviously dropping 10 grand in the FPO division. So do you personally, are you looking for endorsements from other companies? How are you managing, obviously, with kind of like touring as a professional disc golfer? Yeah, well, when I started touring, uh, my modeling income supplemented what it, you know, cost to disc golf. 
Mm -hmm. Um, I would seek outside sponsors with my knowledge as far as managing international models and setting them up with agencies around the world, setting them up with career paths, and then helping them get their finances straight. I sort of took that template over to disc golf, and I started reaching out to companies back in 2012 with my business plan and my career goals. And I said, you know, if I have sponsorship levels set up and if you uh, want to help me, I'd really be appreciative of it. Um, and I started at all the companies I loved, things I used on a daily basis, you know, uh, skincare, hairspray, hair elastics, shirts, you know, you just start from head to toe like you do in modeling. Um, and I had a great response. So I've been doing that uh, since I started, um, but as I've grown, uh, my skill set on the course. Of course, I'm a little more selective of the sponsors now. I'm no longer working with people that only offer socks or t-shirts, um, mm -hmm. you know, because it sounds terrible, but socks and t-shirts don't pay my entry fees. Um, and after like year nine of being on tour, I feel like I you know, am worth a little bit more than a t-shirt. Uh, mm -hmm. No offense, anyone that's working for a t-shirt, that's just how it is in business. Um, so uh, luckily my sponsors have stepped up really big this year. I've got a lot of financial backing as well as, um, you know, I still do some modeling when I'm here uh, in Wisconsin in the off season uh, in between disc golf tournaments. Um, since I'm on the road full time, that would more or less be in the August off season because I don't really go home anymore mm -hmm. unless it's close to Deglow or Ledgestone or something. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, it's just trying to make it work as you can. I've been really smart with my finances uh, since I was probably a small child. Saving is my favorite thing ever. I'm extremely frugal. I try to tell everyone they need to save their money when you're young because you'll need it when you're old. Uh, encourage people to set up retirement accounts and not waste their money on uh, petty, you know, everyday things. Um, I understand some things come from small purchases and that makes you happy. But uh, what really makes you happy is being able to provide a nice home for yourself, reliable transportation opportunities for you and your loved ones, which mm -hmm. can come from financial independence and being smart with your money. So, um, again, I'm just a very frugal, uh, person. And I think that sort of mindset has helped me be, uh, successful in life as well as, um, making it a little bit easier on tour. You know, I'm not, um, uh, waiting for my next win to put my next meal in my stomach. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. So that sort of mindset has helped me be, I think, less stress-free on tour. And I can play with just a, a clear heart and a clear head. And I don't have a lot of things floating around in the back of my mind that I might be worried about. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So so I've heard, and it's probably through your social media, um, my son is also sponsored by Innova Disc. So, like, there's some connection there. But you throw, if correct me if I'm wrong, a, a bunch of lighter weight plastic. Um is everything <laughs> is everything in that lightweight range? Um, tell us a little bit about why you choose the lighter weight plastic for some of your discs. 
Yeah, that's a cute myth that's sort of been going around. And when I started in 2012, it's when I started playing disc golf, uh, Innova just came out with the Blizzard Champion plastic. Mm -hmm. And a friend gifted me the entire set of the Innova Champion uh, Blizzard plastic. It was only maybe six discs at the time. So that's pretty much what my whole bag was. Um, blizzard plastic which was between 130 and 150 i think and that's what i learned with man you know so that's what i had that were that was the tools in my tool bag and i actually thought that i was a bad player and i didn't realize until years later that i was just choosing uh improper equipment for the the current courses and environment you know, I tried to play the memorial with blizzard plastic. I <laughs> 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 uh, took my blizzard plastic to Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't go back for eight years. Yep. And what I learned was um, 150s, no matter how much hyzer you put on it or how slow your arm speed is, they don't hold up in, in memorial and Vegas winds. Mm -hmm. So as you mature as a player, um, you learn these things. Uh, you start to choose heavier discs, you know, so now I choose the proper equipment when I go to Vegas, I go to the Memorial. I jumped out of my comfort zone this year on tour. Um, I went down to Vegas again for the first mm -hmm. time in eight years. Ah, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. I didn't do that bad. I actually made the cut. I think the time I went before I didn't make the cut or anything. So at least I made the cut this time. I didn't cash, but I didn't make the cut, which is an improvement. And mm -hmm. I do love improvements. Um, I also didn't choose poorly in my discs and have a bunch of lightweight stuff turn into rollers, which I was really proud of. Yep. Uh, so the disc selection was smart. Um, it was just, you know, my first event coming off the Wisconsin winter. I was a little bit off on my depth perception and my putting was a little rusty. So, you know, I didn't perform my best, but making the cut was an accomplishment. Um, and then I came to Texas, which I've avoided my entire career because I've heard it's really windy. Um, and again, I didn't like to play in the wind. Yeah. So here I am in Texas <laughs> having a great old time, yeah. doing big things, making big money. Mm -hmm. And shoot, I'm going to come back. I love Texas. I'm so disappointed that I skipped it all these years. Mm -hmm. uh, just hard headed. And, you know, a couple people said it's windy. You won't like it. And, yeah. you know, no, thanks. I'm not going to the wind. <laughs> but now I'm all about the Lone Star State, baby. <laughs> I love it out here. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I would say, obviously, we can see your recent success, and you kind of elaborated on a little bit earlier of just being smarter with the decisions, but I think one thing this wintertime during the off-season, you were posting YouTube videos on just your practicing, disc golf etiquette, stuff like that. Do you feel like because of the work you put into the off-season, do you feel like a lot of that is translating to how you're playing now? I always putt and work in the off-season. Um, I always have. Uh, so I would hope that the nine years of me mm -hmm. doing that has finally built up to where I can play um, better and place better. You know, I play really well in practice. I have all the shots, all the skills. I don't have a long sidearm, but it's about 250, which is very usable. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's really just uh, finishing. You know, I was having a little bit of anxiety around the camera people, people fidgeting in my peripherals. And, you know, you start to blame other people and you don't take responsibility for that. Like, ah, I missed those putts. It's definitely the cameraman. It wasn't yeah. me. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you start to realize, like, you can't 
always blame somebody else for missing the putts. At some point, you got to say, you know what? That was a crappy putt. Um, so, yeah, I've kind of tried to hope that making the YouTube videos and doing some Facebook lives and sort mm -hmm. of putting myself in front of the camera uh, while I'm disc golfing can sort of ease my anxiety about that same situation. Because in my fashion career, I was in front of the camera all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's very normal. It, it doesn't have any effect on me. But when somebody is staring at me and judging me on my athletic ability, all of a sudden I get like tense and nervous. I'm not relaxed anymore. And it's, it's annoying to me. I wish that that would just go away already. So I think that I've sort of eased into the camera people a little bit. Plus, I think getting to know the camera people on tour, you know, like saying hello to them and not just like, oh, gosh, here comes the camera, folks. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. You know, like, oh, hey, Blaine, you know, hey, guys. Mm -hmm. Hey, Jonathan. It sort of helps break the ice. You don't feel as nervous because you're friends with them. You're excited to see them instead mm -hmm. of like, oh gosh, I hope they don't show up when I start playing well. I hope they don't show up when I start playing well. Oh crap, they're here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this means <laughs> I must be playing well. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, and then boom, you get two bogeys and it's like, please go away. Please go away. <laughs> exactly. And <laughs> then at the same time, as a player, you want to brand yourself. You mm -hmm. want to be on live coverage. You want the cameras on you. So it's tough trying to find that healthy balance of playing your best um, and not being nervous when the spotlight is on you. And I'm, I'm still working on that. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been under the spotlight for like 20 years in modeling. I don't know why it isn't easier in disc golf. I guess no one's ever really judged me on my athletic ability before. It's just basically how I look in clothes, which is mm -hmm. real easy to change. Like, oop, two seconds, fix that real quick, you know, mm -hmm. but your athletic ability, man, you can't fix that in a couple of seconds. I'm like on year nine, <laughs> still out here trying to accomplish big things. So it's cool to see, you know, I finally got a decent, I guess you could say a podium finish at mm -hmm. an elite level event, which I've only done one time before, which was at U.S. Women's, uh, which is a PDGA major mm. in 2018, mm -hmm. um, where I got second place. So Nice. Where you know, was that one a, held? Michigan. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, it was the year um, Paige won, actually. I think it was her multi-year women's title or something. I remember when she made the last putt, she said kind of in a whisper to herself, finally. So I think it was like she got her second one or her third one or something went on okay. with that. I'm not sure. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I don't remember on that one. All right. So I'm loving this interview because you're just like providing all of this amazing insight to us that we didn't even have to like ask beyond like getting you started. That's tremendous. And I have a yeah. lot of, I'm sitting here. I'm a talker. Yeah, I am too. And people <laughs> razz me for it all the time. So yes, yeah, people are commenting right now live. They're like, Matt is speechless. <laughs> so, here's a, so I'm like taking it all in because I'm actually sitting here thinking about all the amazing, uh, I don't want to say intricacies, but how you mentioned like modeling and how it's different. And I, I'm going to go after the show and like, think about all this. That's really interesting. Um, but let me ask this question. Um, what do you think it's going to take to see you in a podium finish or, or a win more often because you did it at this NT you talked about your game is starting to 
I, I don't want to say click, but maybe that's how you described it. Um, are you going to be able to perform at this level and higher to continue to do that? Do you feel that about your game? Oh, yeah. I've had this ability for years. It's just doing it when people are looking at me. Hmm. Um, I can do it. And when I'm playing with other people, practice rounds with close friends, um, you know, I go out, I birdie 12 holes in a row. Same with the guys. And they're like, dang, I just realized, Holly, you just birdied all 12 of these holes. I'm like, yeah, I do this every day. This is like a normal thing for me. Nobody else gets to see it, though. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like this funny unicorn myth. I tell people, oh, I shot 1050 golf in the woods this morning. They're like, yeah, Holly with her fishing tails again. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> really, it's it's been happening. It's just I'm waiting to show it to people. And at Texas States, I had this new level of uh, calmness. I don't know what it was from. I didn't feel nervous. I didn't feel tight in the chest. I didn't feel, you know, like that throat thing that you might get when you're really nervous on hole one before a big tournament. Mm -hmm. um, I still feel all of those butterflies uh, before tournaments, which is good. I think it means I still care. I care a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know why I was more relaxed, but I was. Um, and I think that helped um, uh, equate to a higher finish. And I think really all I need to do is just make a few more putts. You know, I was just a couple strokes away from Haley. Um, and really, if I look back, it's just a couple missed putts. You know, mm -hmm. I, I can hit the lines. I'm on the green. Uh, all I got to do is finish the job. So, and I'm a really good putter. Uh, so I don't think it's anything that I can't accomplish. Um, and I hope it happens now. Um, again, <laughs> I'm on year nine, like. Bro, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready yeah. to take home a big win. You know, I get to see my friends do amazing things. I saw Jessica Weiss win the Beaver Fling many years ago. I got to see Kona take home the Waco. Mm -hmm. um, mm. You know, and it's just exciting to see these people who are like busting out, getting these big wins. Haley doing the Pro Tour. You know, I really wanted to win that because I play so well at the Nest. Uh, so that was cool to see the fellow Wisconsinite grab the 20 grand. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, when I got done, I couldn't see the scores at Texas States. I'm not one that watches the scores. And my phone died on hole 13, so I couldn't have seen him even if I wanted yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, but when I got done, Rebecca was like, hey, nice, Holly, you got second. I was like, oh, I did. That's so cool. Nice. And then I saw that Haley, you know, I wasn't that far behind Haley, so. I went up and shook her hand. I said, you know, congratulations. It's it's cool to see it come together for you again. And I was yeah. hoping that I could win. She's like, I was watching the scores and I saw you creeping <laughs> up there. <laughs> Do you so, think that took um, off a little bit of pressure, just not really knowing the scores in a sense? You weren't looking at your phone at all? Do you think that... I've took never really been one to look at the scores. I've tried it a okay. few times this mm -hmm. year <laughs> because... I thought, you know, okay, let's look at it like this. If anything in life, someone can give you uh, more data to improve better, wouldn't you want that? I feel mm -hmm. like UDISC is more data to help you perform better. Um, so I kind of tried to look at it from that perspective. But what I noticed is, <laughs> this is what happened at Waco. Playing along, whole round one, Kona's on my card. We're doing okay. You know, it's not amazing, but it's not terrible. I'm about mm -hmm. nine, ten holes in, and I think to myself, huh, you know what? 
I'm not sure I've made a lot of mistakes. Maybe I'll look at the scores just for fun. <gasps> oh, crap. I'm tied for first with Kona. And then I took a seven. Oh, you know, no. Maybe I shouldn't have looked at the scores. Yep. Uh, so I think it happened to me again at another tournament, maybe Belton or something like that, where I thought maybe I'll just peek at the scores for a little minute. Boom, took like a triple. So even though I think I'm mentally prepared and I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready to view these scores, the results are telling me otherwise. So mm -hmm. I'm not looking at the scores anymore right now. Well, it gotcha. sounds like keep, to me. Keep, it, keep letting your phone die by whole 13. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to turn it off. Like, pretend exactly. it doesn't work. It seems like to me you're saying that, and by the way, thank you so much for being so transparent. This is a very transparent interview. It's amazing. You're just like letting it flow. Um, do you, That's me. Yeah. Do you feel like, or no, actually, I know you are. You said you were working on it. You set up a camera with a tripod and you're, you're putting or doing those videos on, you know, how to have courtesy. I've, I've seen some of your videos you put out. Um, you're doing some things to try to help you with gain an advantage, meaning that's something that's a struggle for you, seeing maybe scores or thinking about cameras. Um, is there anything else that you can do besides maybe videoing yourself? Are there things that you are doing? Yeah, I think I've been toying around with an idea I actually talked about with Juliana Corver uh, that perhaps I do some Facebook putting live sessions so that, you know, when you record yourself, uh, you're free in your own environment. You can stop it. Nobody's really watching you but you because it's post edited versus Facebook Live, which is just like a live feed on the course. Um, I can't really edit that. There's no go backs and do overs. Do so you have a basket it's right all in the moment? Do you have a basket right now? I mean you could just set one up live <laughs> no, for I'm on the, we've got I'm on the side of the interstate. Well that's perfect. We've got three hundred people. Interview. We got three hundred people <laughs> live right now. We could just go and get it done and help you out. No, uh, I'm just I don't. I wish. I, and it's dark. Okay. So that would all right. be a super challenge. All right super nighttime challenge. putting on the side <laughs> of the interstate. Nighttime putting on the side of the interstate. <laughs> With well, breezes from semis. Yeah, exactly. No challenge. No challenge. <laughs> <laughs> you've, t you've talked about the nine years of touring how long you, you're obviously you're in a van you do the tour life through a van now I how did. has that been going from let's say your house in wisconsin into you know now i live in a van can how i just that? can i just interject real quick i heard greg barsby yeah. once greg barsby i swear he made some like he's a funny guy and i don't know if he saw the inside of your rv or whatever you're driving but he's like yeah. At some point he alluded to like, she's driving around this like million dollar RV. He thought it was <laughs> spectacular. Can you tell us about what you're traveling in? Well, I do enjoy the finer things in life. Thanks to my modeling career. <laughs> so uh, I purchased a Winnebago era, which is on a Mercedes uh, sprinter chassis. And it is a very nice pre-built luxury RV. Um, of course, I shopped for one for several years and it's kind of like house shopping. You know, you, you have this idea, you're like, yeah, I'm fine with this. But then when you step foot into the really nice one, you don't want that one anymore. So I just kept waiting it out, waiting it out, uh, saving up a little bit here and there. And then, you know, when all the puzzle pieces came together perfectly, I saw an opportunity to pull the trigger for this uh, Mercedes Winnebago last January, and that's what I did. Yeah, I just 
you know, I've done all the touring. I've done it in my BMW Z4, which is a two-door convertible. I did yeah. that for a couple years. I did it in a BMW Mini Cooper. Not a good idea. Those <laughs> things drive like a box. Gosh, they're rigid. Yeah. I've done it in my X3, which is a, like a BMW crossover. Mm-hmm. I've done the year where you fly everywhere and get rental cars. I had a touring season where I split with Michael Johansson and we did like half a year in his truck and half a year in my SUV and sometimes a rental car. Um, so this is my, I guess, first and a half season because we only sort of got a half season yeah. last year in the RV van life. And I have to say it's my favorite one of all. Mm. I absolutely love it. That's cool. I just, I just love like the home aspect. I can pull over, whip up some tacos real quick, mm. take a nap, make a fresh cup of coffee, <laughs> wash my hands, boom, I'm back on the road. Man. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess technically you could do that in a car if you but, had all of those but, things. But yeah. it, it just feels, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just really loving it. I wish I would have done it sooner. I take a very long time to make big life decisions. Like I mentioned, I, two, three years I was shopping for this mm. and, that's just how I am. I do not want to make a mistake in life and I take way too long to make big decisions, but at least I feel confident and my decisions are well thought out. <laughs> you can't, you can't knock nice. that. I think, um, you've demonstrated that again. I've watched from afar just as somebody interested in the sport. I think we'd be remiss, um, to not bring up this question because I feel like it's pretty relevant. Is this also a myth, Holly, that you prefer to play in the woods? Oh, that is not a myth. Okay. (laughs) No. I mean, if you look at my tour for the last several years, I have skipped all the events. I did not attend Vegas for eight years. I skipped the Dynamic Disc Open, which was previously known as the Glass Blown Open. Mm -hmm. If anyone has ever been to YouTube and seen the video called Wind Putt from the GBO 2013 or 2012, that was the last year I played. It was tornado conditions. A guy does a little putt. The putter flies backwards like 200 feet. I was like, I'm never going back to Kansas. Yeah. This is horrible. Well, I went last year, and it actually, again, when you choose the proper equipment, is a lot more fun. So <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah, but if it was up to me, bro, I would skip all the golf courses, and I would play a woods tour only, the mm-hmm. tightest most difficult wooded tracks you know the ones where people say oh that's not a fair way that's a luck way <laughs> that's what i'm talking about yeah. give me all of those all nice of there you go <laughs> well that's cool and is that just from that's how you grew up playing disc golf or in the sense that's when you started playing disc golf you were just it was a, it was in the woods it was around that i mean i just played in more park style really but i found that seeing the lines and creating the shapes uh, just came naturally to me. It was very easy. I can Mm. easily hit a tight gap. I can throw a disc like perfectly straight, which I think is very hard for many people. Um, And I guess just the fact that I excelled in an environment that other people find to be very difficult and anxiety ridden also makes it my favorite. Plus it evens out the the situation, you know, when you have a a situation where you have a bunch of long throwers uh, like Katrina and Paige and you put us on a ball golf course and I can just look at the distances over the weekend, you know, if they're all over 600 feet, well, shoot, I can guess Paige and Kat are going to beat me by this many strokes just from Mm -hmm. distances alone. 
But if you put it in a shot shaping or an accuracy situation, like where the woods come into play, I feel like, you know, the distance doesn't really have that big of an advantage anymore. And it's more about uh, skills of shot mm. shaping and accuracy yeah. and putting at that point. And you definitely, you proved that obviously at Texas state and this last tournament. So you can definitely see the confidence of going through these tight wooded courses. A majority of people, especially Matt and I, we grew up in the New England area to where like we feel the same way. I love watching the shape of a disc. I'm obviously impressed by people who can throw the disc over 500, 550 oh, feet and be able to yeah. accurately put it. Like, it's a great thing. I, I wish is. I could do it. Believe me. I want to do it. Too. <laughs> yeah. But My there hands is up, a, too. <laughs> there is a very fun feeling of, you know, you can just lay some mid-range 300 feet down a fairway <laughs> and like a 10-foot gap. It, it is a yeah. very cool feeling. I'll 100% agree to that. Yeah, I feel like that's uh, maybe my game and Holly game similar. I, I don't know that I need to compare ourselves here, but you're rated. What are you rated? Do you know what you're rated right now? I think I'm like 930 or something. Okay, so Nick, me and her are just about the same person embodied in different ways. I throw, I, I like throwing comets through the woods. I love that style. Okay. Yeah, like that's my game. Yep. I just love that playing in the woods. That's because the same thing you said. I feel like I yep. get it kind of leveled out. I'm like, play me in the woods. Like I can right, keep up. Right. So catch me in the woods. Yeah, catch me in the exactly. woods. Exactly. <laughs> How about that? Um, so How Holly, that? this has been fantastic. As I said, it's pretty funny for us as uh interview um interviewers. We had Haley King on, who's her own person. Mm -hmm. And then we had Ricky, yep. who was he was just making me laugh hysterically. And then you're very transparent <laughs> and just uh, very energetic and and sharing things that are insightful. Um Thank you so much for coming on. Is there anybody that you'd like to shout out or, or how can people support your touring if that's a thing as well? Yeah, um, I have a new sponsor this year, PharmaCBD.com. Uh, they're being really supportive and donating uh, the 30% of the sales proceeds to me if you use code HOLLY, H-O-L-L-Y. So you can order all sort of CBD products on their website for wellness and sleep aids and stuff like that as well as my tour series, Innova Champion Glow Mako 3s. They were released. Uh, they sold out on Innova, but at a lot of retail stores tell me that they bought some. So another round disc golf, got to go, got to throw, probably going to have a couple hundred available on their website in the next several days. So keep a lookout for those if you didn't get a Holly Finley Glow Champion Mako 3, which never existed until this year. Until now. Exactly. I'm, I did not. <laughs> cool. I did not get one, but I'm not going to lie. I thought the other night when you posted, you said, "Here they are." I, I looked. I went on there and I kind of drooled a little bit, and I was like, "I kind of want it badly," and I just didn't pull the trigger because I'm trying to be better about what you actually alluded to: purchasing things, taking my time. I'm trying to get move to another house, all these things. So like, I'm just like, I probably mm -hmm. shouldn't buy it right now, but I want to. So excellent. Go out and buy them guys. The color glow is what that was, right? Champion glow. It's just beautiful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Thanks and, so much for having me on. Yeah, no problem. And um, yeah, thank you for, thank you for pulling over and, you know, taking the time out of your drive to whatever tournament. Are you playing the next one? I think it's vintage open or Jonesboro. Are you going to those events? Nope. You can catch me at Goat Hill in California. Awesome. Solid. There we go. Yeah. I think I saw there's a pretty strong FPO field out there. So good luck out there. Yeah, for sure. And I think Innova actually put together some special release discs uh, with uh, special release Goat Hill art. 
so it's kind of got a caricature feel to it mm -hmm. um so if you jump on innova's instagram or their facebook you can probably find some information on that awesome very cool well once again we do appreciate you taking the time out of your day slash night to pull over on the side of an interstate and do this interview with us it's been a blast obviously it's it's been a great time yep anytime it's my pleasure and my honor to be a guest on your show so thanks for the invite thank you holly thank we'll you have you much. on again have a safe travel all right. Drive safe. All right. Bye. Cheers. Peace. All right, everybody. So that was Holly Finley, a competitor in the FPO division, honestly performing at a level, as she said, she's been working hard to do this. Mm -hmm. It's coming together for her. Um, man, there's, there's so many things that stood out about that. I'm going to definitely listen back through this show. One is, and she said it herself, she's a talker. Mm -hmm. I'm a talker. People in the chat, for anyone who's driving around their cars now listening to this show, they're two hours in. People in the chat were like, Matt, I can't believe his mouth has stayed shut this long. He can't even get a home in there. I was going to say, <laughs> did we figure it out? Did we figure out how to get Matt to stop? I think we did, folks. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, Nick, don't egg it on. We already have people <laughs> in the comments each week saying Nick needs to find a new co-host. So we'll, we'll let that happen oh. one day. No, they will never happen. Those people who are saying that are just jealous that they're not sitting by you doing this podcast as well. Nick, you're live on air. You don't have to say that. You, you know, you you tell me other things on the off week. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'm glad. I'm happy to be doing this. Secretly, Matt and I hate each other. Yeah, we secretly hate each other. People have been, and we're just having a little back and forth session right now. People have been alluding about your lighting tonight. We're going to have to take a look in the YouTube later and see what it, I think it's fine. I don't know what they're... They say, Violating? yeah, it looks like I'm in the good, the good side with the bright lights. They're like good and evil. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I mean, on my screen, it looks, looks great. Fine. It could be, looks great. Yeah, it could be, I mean, it could be off. I can <laughs> dim out the blue if we want. No. All uh, right. Um, I'm not a production person. I just come here and turn everything on and I think it it's good. fine, Nick. Um, so <laughs> realistically, we're at the two hour mark, which we try to stick yeah. to pretty closely here. But I just wanted to throw out one last topic here we can wrap up with is the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Um, they've done things like this. And I can remember back to when Steve Dodge was running the show. And some people right now are like, I don't remember that or I don't want to remember that. I personally have good feelings all around. Not about every decision he made. I'll be clear. But yeah. um, but in, in general, uh, but the Disc Golf Pro Tour are selling tickets to their tournaments. So you have the Vintage Open coming up and the Jonesboro Open. And both of those are going to have tickets available. And $75 will get you a VIP pass. You What's can included in that? The VIP pass, I'm pretty sure, is like some form of like special viewing area as well oh, okay. as maybe like a cool. disc or something. But yeah, I think... Yeah. That's pretty cool. 75 bucks. That'll get you the whole weekend. $20 is a weekend pass just to like view in general, like access to the walk around all yep. that jazz. Yep. And then you could just show up for a day for $10. Now, I don't know where that money's going. And I've said this before. I don't really care, especially since the pro tour is a private entity, but you got to believe they're it's going to make something better. And it's not, even if it's, even if it's lining the pockets of Jeff spring <laughs> and, or anybody that's doing the work on this pro tour right now, mm -hmm. good for them. It's going to help boost them yeah. to be able to do better. So like either way, I think it's a show. What other sports show can you go to and not pay to entry? I mean, what do you think about no, it? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's 
what I was going to say, I mean, all good things, obviously, you know, it, you got to pay for things if you want them to get better right now in disc golf. As we see coverage get better, it's because more people are subscribing to the disc golf network and they're able to buy, let's say, better cameras, hire better people to do these things. And same thing, if you want better experiences going to these live events, you know, uh, if you want to have the best experience, buy the VIP pass, $75. I mean, I could see one day the MVP open. You're going to need to spend $75 to be able to go up into the sap house and watch the players finish up on 18 from the top of the sap house on the balcony there or have the bleacher seating. That could be $10 eventually. So I think eventually a lot of things are going to cost money. And, hey, all the power to the Disc Golf Pro Tour for doing it. I hope that where that money is going is back into the events to make them better or into payouts, stuff like that. Because obviously – a majority of the reason why the fans are going to it are for the players and the great players that are going to play those events. So I'd be curious to see where everything's going, but yeah, I I mean, all the power to them. I'd happily pay that. Yeah. So I'm just curious, like, is this, it's gotta be worked out. I'm assuming with the event, the tournament director. So for instance, like a private venue, like Maple Hill pro tour has obviously come to some agreement. I wonder how like the pro tour would receive those funds or is there an agreement split between the venue, all that stuff. I'm sure it's a little bit of all of that. Yeah. Um, I guess you could go from, this is a private course versus yeah, it's a public course course that we rented out a permit and got the place shut down. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there's a ton of different variables that go with it. I'm sure. Private venues are the way of the pro tours future. Like I think it's just going to be, I think it's going to have to be. And I'm sure mm -hmm. that there's already, they're already working towards that in general. They're picking venues where they can have full control. Um, yeah. All right. We've talked about a lot, what we had special three, three interviews tonight. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed those. Um, we're going to be working on this all the way out, um, meaning through the rest of the season. Um, so yeah. comment. One thing for the people who keep asking, yeah, judge that disc golfer. We'll keep saying it. It will be coming <laughs> back soon enough. We're still looking for the right opportunity to put it in. And obviously, you know, I'm not the one who goes out and films people. It's a Matt thing. It's more work for Matt. So give him some time, you know. Okay, before people tell me to grow up and, and do more work for the show, <laughs> it's no. it's a little bit of the extra work, but that can be that can be fixed. It's actually we're trying to figure out because we want to bring back like a lot of the segments, like uh, internet yeah, disc internet golf questions, questions uh, judge that disc golfer, two truths and a lie, all those segments that people came to enjoy. Uh, I think that was one of my favorite ones, two truths and a lie. That was really yeah, fun back in the day. I think, and I'm just teasing this idea out there, so you know we are working on it. We may do similar, and I'm just going to give a shout out to Smashbox, where we'll take a little break, like right now, we'd take a break, and then we would come back in about three minutes time, and we'd start up with those those extra segments, and we'd actually upload them separately to our audio podcast. So like you'd mm -hmm. get a separate upload at another time, uh, they'd separate it on YouTube, so there was different, you know, it be, wouldn't be part of the interview sessions, but yeah. we're thinking about it, guys. We're going to try to figure it out. Eventually, it will come back. Thank you guys for your patience. Nick, go ahead and close us out. Well, if everybody would be so kind as to go on YouTube, like, subscribe, comment, leave a review on any of the Apple Podcast Networks or whatever podcast networks are out there. Um, turn on the post notifications. We go live 7 p.m. every single Monday, uh, and we'd love to have on as many guests as we can. We hope you're all enjoying the show. Uh, tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. Nick, you're awesome, man. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer.
Find the Nick and Matt show on your favorite podcast platforms or stream us live exclusively on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel. 